Off the ball. You two lads are from Leinster, so it's no wonder you're given out of the provincial championship. I don't want to take away the provinces. Who grew the geographical line back in the day? It's because of the way that the provinces are broken up. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Welcome along, it's Monday morning, we are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed heading into a brand new week and uh, plenty for us from the weekend to get our teeth stuck into multiple disappointments, except I'm the only one disappointed. Uh, Shane's here, Shane, how are you? I'm very good, Jer. how are things? Great. Good morning to, to everyone, how's to, all? To your little lap of honour there. Ah, oh, listen, the, I was watching... I was watching if, there's any, if there's any little ears in the car listening, then you should probably turn off because, you know, at any point something might happen. Yes. Uh, last Monday, I, I, I was uh, obviously recovering from my, my festival antics. I was not here, but uh, I did watch back the, the reaction to the draw. Great draw for Kildare, apparently. I didn't say that. No, but uh, it was the general consensus in the room. I mean, it, was, it was actually a good draw. Kildare, it was, to be fair. Uh, they could easily have won that game, yeah. but uh, it turns out they didn't. It was uh, No, look, it was an exciting game. Uh, ruined somewhat by uh, officiating to an extent, but we'll, we'll not dwell too much on that. I think both teams got the brunt of it. Um, but yeah, absolutely del- delighted, sure. You have to be in it to win it. Only eight, eight teams left, lads, and Monaghan could do it. This could be our year. Three more wins. Ah, uh, you surely, you surely realised halfway through that that's not going to happen. Ah, uh, yeah, look, inevitably they're going to draw Kerry this morning. Uh, I've already called it. It's going to be Monaghan Kerry. Well, Kerry can only play Monaghan or Tyrone. Exactly. So. 50-50 chance. 50-50. Yeah. It's not bad for the 11th best team in the county. To somehow scrape in the country, the yeah, top yeah. Eight in the country, it's yeah. mad, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think I think the power rankings were perfectly legitimate up until with about a minute left to go when they hit the front. Mm, well, I see squeaky bum time, man, and always. Sorry, a minute over extra time. What am I talking about? Well, no, I, sorry, if, if I, actually, I missed the key fact there that it was like the game was over and Perfrey's still playing on. If you actually watch it back, the entire first minute of the injury time, additional time, was uh, wasted on uh, referee not letting Monaghan get on with the game they wanted to take a free and they were just standing there for 40 seconds as Ryan Wiley was told no no wait there wait there so uh, watch it back and um, uh, might assess it differently watch it back yeah so I looked at the decisions went horribly for both teams but oh, uh, right. yeah. in the end there had to be a winner and there had to be a loser congratulations uh, on your uh, imminent quarter final exit well, I hope you enjoy the big day out don't speak too soon we'll Maybe see you next Monday we shall see yeah you won't I'll be on holidays okay uh, uh, Nathan hello good morning also, another lap of honour. <laughs> As I frequently say, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am. Yeah, yeah listen, this has become sort of run-of-the-mill stuff at this stage for Mayo, hasn't it? Beating Galway, knocking them out of the championship. Yeah. Four times in five years. I often, I often wondered what um, uh, Alex Fergus meant when he called Ince a big-time Charlie. For me, when I heard it the first time, I was like, he's only interested in the big games. He only puts it in when the cameras are there. He only... But that's not really what it... Apparently that's not what it means. But for me, Mayo are the ultimate big-time Charlies, right? Uh, well, it didn't matter last week against Cork when they had the game. It was too easy. They needed somehow to give themselves a weird sense of do or die. It's Russian roulette. That's all they're interested in. So you're saying that like it's a negative? I mean, yeah. There's like a little bit of me that just goes, you know, just learn how to, learn how to be the dubs, be boring. Mm. You're saying Mayo know how to perform. Where the is the fun in that? Where is the fun in that? 
you know, if we'd just been that and also not won all the All-Irelands, life would have been a lot duller for, for yeah. Mayo people. Or if we'd won any of them, it would have been a bit better, would it? I mean, well, clearly. Okay. Clearly. Oh, yes, okay. Okay. Well, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock. A lot of people giving out about uh, referees. Sorry, uh, coming up straight away. Performance rankings. Anthony Moyes at 8 o'clock. Sarah Dunham at 825. That's uh, football and hurling. 8.45 Sports News with Kyle Milani. Gary Sice is going to give us the Galway verdict. Alan Quinn is going to look back on the under-20s remarkable draw with England at the start of the uh, World Cup. And then a clip from the Sunday pay-per-view around about half past nine this morning. We're live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shaver. Your money back. Neon, Neon Night Edition is available now. It's time for the Gillette Labs performance rankings. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on their second-half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lacked that intensity. Let's make Nathan Murphy's face even smugger this morning. We'll start in the, in the green just to get Mayo in there. I think we're doing Mayo, aren't we? Let's do it anyway, regardless. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the stats that popped up on screen... Uh, during the first half that took my interest was own kickouts one Galway three out of three Mayo two out of ten and by the end of it I mean it didn't matter we've uh, we've opened the kimono accidentally there a little okay. bit it's Ed Cork and Meath but we've actually we've, we've deleted don't them Meath. we've deleted them yeah so congratulations to Meath of course in their Tottenham Cup semi-final win over Antrim but and, we down. Are, yeah, and down and down and down I mean eight, eight goals down. in Croke Park yeah I mean that is that is ridiculous it's not bad and that's going to be a mouth-watering final down in Meath so it's, it's, it's Mayo and Cork that's what we're doing right yes we're doing yeah. Mayo and Cork so yeah. look just to keep Nathan happy Nathan uh, started crying in the pre-match or the pre-match the pre-show production meeting and uh, insisted that we start with Mayo well I think Mayo deserved to be in there uh, regardless of their own performance Galway were many people's favourites for the All-Ireland and may have just gone and beaten them. Like, it is peak Mayo that they would beat Kerry and Galway. And still not win in All-Ireland. And <laughs> oh. probably still find themselves drawn against Dublin in an hour's time uh, in an All-Ireland so, quarter-final. Uh, we, we, so we can basically work out the draw, can we? Um, no, there's a lot of um, what can't happen. Yeah? Like, Kerry can only get... Monaghan or Tyrone. Mayo can't get Kerry. But um, they can get one of the other three. One of my one of my uh, one of my dub supporting mates was like, "Oh yeah, hopefully we get Cork and it'll be on in, in Parky Cueve. Is that a possibility? No, the two they're all going to be on in Crow Park. That's two what they said. But, but what if what if they change their minds? New information came to light. I don't think new information comes to light with quarterfinals. Double header in Crow Park. It looks like May are going to be playing on Sunday, so they get the full seven day break. Uh, considering all the other preliminary quarterfinals were on on Saturday. Well, Dublin will be Saturday night, won't they? They always are. They'll be the second of that Saturday night. Yeah, it, depends. it depends on uh, what the draw is. If it's Mayo Dublin, it might have to be Sunday. There is an All-Ireland semi-final on a Saturday evening mm. and a f- uh, semi-final on a Sunday. Um, that that's Saturday evening in Dublin could be a good night. Yeah. I mean, the, the ties... It, it's going to be four outrageously good ties regardless. Isn't it? Like the, well, you could end up with a lopsided draw where you could end up with... Monaghan, Kerry against Tyrone, Dublin against Mayo... On one side. On one side. Can you? Are, are Kerry and Dublin not separated? Well, I think it all depends then on the results of the uh, quarterfinals. Yeah, like they Mon- seem quite Monon non-committal as to what will happen the whole way through. There definitely is like a, a bit of wiggle room for the, the drawmakers in what might happen next. You're enough of what might happen next. I was about you get talking about what just happened. Okay, yeah, Mayo, what, what happened? How did, they, how did they suddenly come from uh, being dead and buried from wetting the bed against Cork the way they did? A swoon. It was the opposite. This time, Kate O'Connor coming off the bench, scoring that inspirational point. But it was—it was such a strange game. It was such a 
uh, Pierce Stadium Salt Hill match where like the wind was the dominating factor. It was how much of a lead could go away, build up by half time, and five points didn't feel like enough. It should have been far more. Albeit Mayo started really well, got three points on the board, but. Mayo went up against a Galway side who had their outstanding player in Shane Walsh just totally off form. Was it four wides he kicked in the first half in a row at a time where Galway were really trying to stretch that lead? And it's a totally, totally different game if Galway are going in at the break. Nine points up to five points up in terms of the psychology for Mayo, thinking we're going to have to go out here and somehow rack up a big score in the second half and Galway can sit back ultra-defensively if they want. Uh, They also went up against a Galway side who two of their best players in Sean Kelly and Damien Comer just weren't fit. Like yeah. Kelly, the ankle, from minute one you were looking at him going, oof, mm-hmm. he's not he's not fully at it today. Comer goes off at half time. So I think when you look from a Galway point of view and the expectation that was on them this year in Port Choice is very honest afterwards as to how disappointing a season it has ended up being. You need your best players on the pitch and you need them playing well. And their injury, they didn't have that. Their injury profile has been really unfortunate. Like, uh, I still think we hadn't seen them beat a really top tier team in the championship outside of Connacht and I, I keep making the point that I, I think these competitions you have to take them each on their own individual merits and uh, I don't know it, so in a way that's why it's it's suited Monaghan to be in the league scenario that they've been in like I think the difference between Monaghan and Kildare was a decade of Division 1 football like and also Monaghan's propensity for winning in the uh, 75th and 76th minute Conor McKeown has a great piece um, today where he's just reflecting on the post-match comments but pointing out that Monaghan have done that week in, week out. And I think from Mayo's perspective, they have more of their best players fit and in form at the moment than Galway do. And there's no difference between a lot of these sides. I don't think I don't think Mayo are capable of winning the All-Ireland from here. No. I don't at the moment. Doesn't feel like it, but... Now, Croker, who knows? Maybe Croker is actually what they've been waiting for all year. As I said last week when the draw was made, Mayo are doing what they did during the Rochford era, which was mirroring what the opposition bring to them and the level of intensity. And it was the same yesterday when Galway upped it. Mayo were able to up it as well. I think there's a lot of positives there still from a Mayo point of view in that the players that Kevin McStay brought in yesterday all performed. Now, you could throw back and go, does he know what his best 15 is right now? Maybe he doesn't, and we probably feel, because it's Kevin McStay, Stephen Rochford, Lee McHale, that this isn't a first-year management team and it would be perfectly normal for them not to know what their best 15 is right now. You feel they should be further along the track than that. But They did seem to, uh, certainly post-match, he's very honest with Tommy, where he's like, I have different plan depending on playing against the wind, playing for the wind, playing with the breeze. And uh, Hora got sick overnight, mm. couldn't travel with the team. And so... Um, uh, the building of the depth was the thing to give them the opportunity to have different game plans and different personnel on the pitch. So I, I don't think there is a best team anymore, is there? No, you like wouldn't the, be surprised to see Manny Ryan come in depending on who the opposition is in an All-Ireland quarter-final. Mm. Like the big boost is, you look at Dave McBreen's goal and his performance yesterday, full-back has been a bit of a struggle for Mayo over the last few years. Uh, to have a young player come in and make that sort of impression and the confidence boost he should take from scoring a goal of that quality in a game of that importance is absolutely massive. So, when Mayo got to the All-Ireland Final against Tyrone, I don't think anyone thought they had enough to to probably even get to an All-Ireland Final. A lot will depend, a lot will depend on the draw. Was the team that got, got to Tyrone not like, were they not favourites of that final? <laughs> they probably were just because it was Tyrone. Uh, I think no. at the start of the year, I think at the start of the year there wasn't a... So, 
yeah, when you look at what Kerry and Dublin have right now, it's probably hard to make a case. But that's the magic of yeah, this Mayo can, team. They can is that they, the rest and then, and, like, so and they, as you said, they know how to win these big games. Like They have done it consistently, much like the fact that Monaghan year after year have these tough games against similar opposition in Ulster and can grind it out. So they can get the dubs. Yeah. They can get the dubs, they can get Armagh or, or they can get Derry. All right. Who do you want? Do you want the dubs in the quarter no, final? No, don't be... Stop. Don't be trying to lead me down this now oh, where you're on. clipping it up going, I want the dubs. We took them in the semi-final back and we'd take them again. Um, well, that's what you were... You had it very close to the tip of your tongue there, Nathan. <laughs> Backs in the lines. Come on. Each, each each one brings its own unique challenge. You want to you want you're, not, you're not a manager. No, I, yeah, I think uh, you would uh, like to avoid Dublin for as long as possible, wouldn't you? Yeah. From a Monaghan perspective, if are you going to beat them in the Dublin. final? Are you going to beat them in the quarter or semis? Is that not it? Well, they beat them in the semi-final a couple of years ago. So this is going to be the year. Maybe where wait till then. You beat Galway in a knockout game. You beat Kerry. You beat the Dubs. You beat somebody else, and then Tyrone beat you in the final again. Yeah, Tyrone <laughs> just uh, coming through sneakily. Derek Hadavan produces, uh, you know, performance like his father and beats Mayo again in the All Ireland final. Well, Monaghan yeah, win the first All Ireland. All of these Mayo things next. are all of these things are possible, but uh, from where Mayo were. Last week, uh, after the defeat to Cork, to been able to turn it round in the second half. Uh, hairy enough at the end. I, I see a couple of people writing about it saying their game management was generally quite good. It felt until the last minute of injury time when a bit mm. of panic set in. And, uh, you know, Brian Reap made every single match they played this year. It feels like he's made a brilliant save, but almost got caught out when he came for that high ball in. Yeah, and looks like it was a few McDonough who was back covering on the line. Oh, like I think Conor Gleeson had kept three clean sheets in the last three games so you're thinking that this is a game with wind a goal is going to win it and then when McBreen scores the goal you're thinking I mean go I need a goal Tierney has, Reap makes the save from Tierney then in the second half later on as well uh, to, to uh, stop that goal from going in it was just one of those games that just it felt like it could go either way but yeah I think the lead at half time wasn't significant enough for Galway to to have done it and then you say, as you say the injuries but you can talk about the injuries to the cows come home teams need to have strength and depth and, and I think Galway, we were saying this year, did have strength and depth. And you look at the subs coming on yesterday, and like, they're all brilliant subs. Like Tamil Kalhan, Cal Sweeney. Like, yeah, they yeah. yeah, can have as much strength and depth as you want, but if you're full back and you're yeah. talisman up front, mm. your two uh, talisman yeah. aren't on it. Like, if you look, both Mayo and Galway had 16 shots from play. Mayo scored 10 points. Galway scored 7 points. You look at the quality that points that Paddy Durkin kicked in the second half. Galway missed a few opportunities like that when they had the win. And that you know, in a one-point game is pretty much the difference. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing was that they shouldn't have been playing this week if they'd kicked the penalty last week and they even, you know, that, like, so all of a sudden, we now understand that every one of those games really matters and you've got to do your business week in, week out and that's why the Dubs and Derry and to a certain extent Armagh are kicking their heels this week watching everybody else knock lumps out of each other going, yeah, that's great, uh, bring it on. So we shall see next week what the benefits of that were. Mayo win was a fluke, lads. We saw their level in the second half between Lyle and Cork. Expect a big beating come the quarterfinal, says Dave Cos, who I think may be trying to um, uh, verbalise it, manifest it into existence. Uh, the Loud game was won. Whatever about the Cork match, I think the Loud game, they're absolutely in control. It was a five points up betting in the injury time and they just switched off. Mm. Cork was more of a concern. But again, was there just a game management issue there? Uh, like James Horn is making the point with Tommy afterwards. Uh, look, Teams won't really fear playing Mayo now, but I, but I also think they're the team that in the draw this morning, the four uh, already qualified quarterfinalists will want to avoid. Like compared to 
Cork, Monaghan. Absolutely. I think if you're one of the four winners, I think you're looking going, we want to avoid Mayo because of the madness and the unpredictability. And this was Mayo at their absolute peak under Rochford in those two years when they pushed Dubs to the wire. Mm. You look at the years going through the qualifiers. Was it Cork one year? Like, again, they're pretty much beaten week on week on week in the qualifiers and they'd somehow find a way to do it. It's not the same team anymore, really. No, it's not. So you can't can't just take the spirit animal of the uh, last decade and assume that this one is going to be the same. Uh, There's been enough turnover in personnel and you'd hope that they've learned some of the game management things. We should talk about Cork and their renaissance. Uh, If you think back to the games that they lost, like the first game was against Meath in the league where Meath scored all those goals and I was like, oh, this is going to be a long year for Cork. And then the game against the Dubs where it was the width of a post that stopped them from winning that and then they went on a bit of a run and uh, like obviously they were horrific in the Munster Championship but their recovery from that point to this Again, I think it's um, you know it's it's a much better system now where you get three games to learn the lessons and implement those. And uh, the the Mayo comeback obviously wasn't a fluke. Now I don't know. I feel a lot of sympathy with Roscommon. It looked like they'd done everything right. It looked like they were going to use the lessons of the whole season to see out the game and win it. They get turned over, and then Cork rapier like straight down, twisted the knife over the bar. And that's the win in the game. And suddenly Roscommon are, are bereft. And we'll, we'll speak with Davey Burke later on in the week about the season they had. And you know, I feel real sympathy for them because I think they had a couple of all-stars in the making. And I don't know if you don't make it to the quarterfinals in Croke Park, do you, can you still win an all-star? We shall see. Hopefully they get a nomination. But are Cork back? Is this is this like... Uh, I think if you beat two Division two, two division one teams two weeks in a row, you're back. Like to beat Mayo and Roscommon now. And the manner in which they did it, because when Rus- as you said, Joe, when Roscommon come back from five points down and, and equalised later on, the momentum, hashtag momentum, is with them, massively so. Um, and I like did maybe Roscommon's tactics come back to bite them a little bit in injury time. Like Connor Daly throws the ball to himself, turned over. They're obviously they're clear. Like you could see the Roscommon selectors with the three fingers up, going three minutes left, basically saying keep the ball for three minutes, take your point in the last of those uh, additional minutes. And it just didn't work. Like it would, maybe it would have worked if they'd managed to, to keep the ball and not have that little error from, from Conor Daly. But as you say, Kevin O'Donovan comes up the pitch and, and they take the point. So maybe Russ Common's tactics that they got cr- criticised and crucified for against Dublin came back to bite them. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty. If they hadn't made that small error, we wouldn't be talking about that. But Cork can take another scalp. Like There's no doubt about it if Cork had drawn against Dublin or Kerry again. that, that There's no reason why they can't win those games. Well, sorry, they can't get drawn against Kerry, mm. of course. Um, but I think they can take another big, big victory. Like what John Cleary's done there has been amazing, um, and teams will again want to avoid them. Yeah, yeah. Are they back to winning in All Ireland? Mm. Not yet. But are they back being relevant? Where actually we have to analyse you know, them as opposed to um, when we're talking about core carry clashes over the next couple of years. We're not just talking about uh, how many that you know they can put it up to the big guns again. So Ross Commons tactics maybe maybe it was a good thing that it comes back to bite you in the ass eventually uh, maybe those tactics work against a team like Dublin where you got to do that actually against Cork do you just cry and kick on and win the game um, maybe I don't know I think that, that that's their new identity and it nearly saw them through and again if they were one of those teams uh, in Cork Park in quarterfinal weekend nobody want to see them but they're gone and that is the way the championship worked out for them okay what's next Let's move on to uh, 
the other green and I suppose Clare deserve a, a, certainly a strong mention after their performance against Dublin at the weekend we all expected it but um, it's Tony Kelly right it's Tony Kelly's performance uh, yeah I mean the hat-trick uh, probably surprised nobody given it's Tony Kelly and he does Tony Kelly things week after week but Clare like Clare looks stronger than they did last year um, and you'd expect they'll have learned from that semi-final last year and, and certainly going into this Kilkenny game um, possibly be favourites would they? I no mean, Oh, yeah, that's, I think a good, so. that's a good question. I, I think yeah, on performance level, you would say that Clare probably should be favourites. Uh, the muscle memory that's there for Kilkenny would suggest that maybe not. Possibly. It's the injury, isn't it, that you, you want to be concerned about, I guess, John Conlon. With that head, head injury, looked like a concussion, possibly. Um, Shane O'Donnell picked up a slight knock as well. And then you have Conor Cleary, Aidan McCarthy and David McInerney already on the sidelines. So... I think it's from two a, weeks now though for them. So mm. of course, yeah. So maybe that'll dictate who's favourites as well. Uh, but yeah, it was concerning enough for Connolly. He was on the on the ground for four minutes, um, and of course missed last year's All Ireland semi final with injury as well. So yeah, the next fortnight's going to be fairly critical, I think, for for Clare's chances against ah, Kilkenny in that game. Ah, oh, you are correct. Clare, Clare five to four on Kilkenny, five to four. Okay. That will depend on the injuries as well. I think for Clare. What well, they went into they had injuries going into that game on Saturday. Aidan McCarthy wasn't there. You do look at Clare and they have to feel we are the team that can beat Limerick. We have shown that we have the ability that we can go toe-to-toe with them. They should have beaten them in the Munster mm. final. Over the last few years, consistently, they've been right there. They didn't. They didn't. I get that they didn't. No, no, but well, the, well, the they, quality that they have... They did like, this season. In the in the, well, in, yeah, the, in the round robin, sorry, yeah. but not in the Munster final. And they have different players stepping up in different games. So, like, Tony Kelly scores 3-4. Um, you know, whether it's Shane O'Donnell, Peter Duggan, Dave Fitzgerald. It is the John Conlon thing. But you'd have to think mentally they should be in a better position where it felt as though Conlon's injury last year totally derailed them mm. in the semi-final. Uh, that there was too much in that. I think there was something else going on there, apart from that as well. So, we look, I... I um, I'm just trying to find uh, Tony Kelly isn't even on the top 10 list of top scorers in the championship at the moment I was wondering he doesn't if, take the freeze anymore if he might be able to Aidan McCarthy takes the freeze so. close the gap on Patrick Horgan or TJ Reid but he won't be able to it's, um, it's too big it's hundreds of points <laughs> now he does have a long time to go so he's sorry at the start of the year he was 13th on the list uh, literally 200 points behind I was interested to listen to Brian Lowen after the game because he was like, personnel-wise, we're better this year than last. And he also said, we're not as washed out as we were last year. Like, the Munster Championship didn't take as much out of Clare this year as, as perhaps in previous years. Uh, I mean, in the first 11 minutes, they had six wides yesterday. And you're thinking, oh, this isn't great. But 5.26 ultimately. And, um, yeah, I think we've got two tantalising semi-finals. Probably the two parents that we wanted. Yeah, I don't think that... Um I, I, we're putting Clare in the green here because Clare are going to be in an All-Ireland semi-final in rude health as opposed to last year when it did look like they were a bit washed out and um, they stuttered through this round. There was no stuttering yesterday. That 3-2 burst uh, just before half-time decided the game. Uh, look, we're, we're going to get on to Tipperary so let's keep going. Yep, into the amber and uh, Irish golf in the amber. Looked for large swathes of yesterday afternoon that we're going to have an Irish winner at the major. It was going to be Leona Maguire or Stephanie Meadow. Um, and both of them I was I remember reading comments from Stephanie Meadow before saying when she was 13 Leona was 10 and she first met her when Leona was still reading Harry Potter books so like their friendship goes back uh, so long Curtis Cups together of course Olympics together um, but yesterday afternoon I think Leona Maguire will be very disappointed her 74 left her tied for 11th uh, ultimately uh, Stephanie Meadow shooting a 1 under 70 yesterday that's her career best in a major tying for 3rd um, 
so kind of fading to fire in the final round that was the KPMG Women's USPGA course uh, in New Jersey uh, Ruoning Yin uh, the ultimate winner coming from behind as well with, a, with an extraordinary final round from her uh, at 8 under par uh, one shot ahead of Japan's Yuka Sasso and two ahead of the uh, the quintet of players at 6 under that included Stephanie Meadow I mean I think Leon will be disappointed I know her she was talking ahead of the final round saying that was the, she was in a different position leading into the final round which was strange for her I think Leon will be disappointed and Stephanie might be devastated with how it finished up mm. um it was interesting watching their embrace and I was trying to look at the body language as they were going down 18 and Leona Maguire was out of it by then but Stephanie Meadow knew that if she eagled 18 which was going to be a, a massive task it was a par 5 but reachable in 2 that she would force a playoff and she's standing 247 yards from the green middle of the fairway 3 wooden hand and has I'm sure what is the worst moment of her professional career where she tops a 3 wood in the worst possible way. The one that skips across the water. Incredibly fortunate it doesn't bounce into the water. Yeah. doesn't connect with it at all. And you knew from the look at her face, she knew that was it. Now, she hit a really good approach, misses the putt, ends up in a tie for third um, when she could have finished second. And all of that's very important for Stephanie Meadow because it's been a bit of a struggle over the last couple of years. Um, and you really hope that this ignites. But it was such, such a brilliant opportunity. Listen, I'm not saying she was going to eagle 18 anyways but to not even give herself a chance to hit that shot at that moment is the type of thing that can haunt you for quite a while so I really hope that she's able to take the positives from this week and kick on for the rest of the season and next week the US Open is on at Pebble Beach Um, so there's an opportunity for them to bounce back the body language is interesting it didn't seem like there was much conversation between the two of them uh, walking down 18 and then the hug at the end Leona Maguire's face uh, summed up uh, exactly what she felt about this massive missed opportunity never got going at all yesterday just couldn't build any moment that entire grouping Stephanie Meadow held in uh, the best of the three of them but um, Shin Meadow and Maguire there was nothing falling for them at all and maybe there was a bit of fatigue for Leona she won last week there's obviously a big emotional high after that and she keeps a flow going into Thursday, Friday, Saturday but she just didn't seem to have anything there last night but there's still a lot of positives this is the first time she's properly contended at a major she's had good major finishes you might remember at the Evian in France last year she had uh, a couple of years ago she had the lowest round ever in a major championship but it was coming from miles back likewise in the Open coming from well back to finish inside the top 10 this one she's there in the final pairing over the final two days and hung around but just didn't have that bit to kick on but again the US Open at Pebble Beach is next week so if you're in that level of form uh, starting next week, not this weekend coming, but uh, starting on on Thursday weekend, that's going to be just a, a massive occasion. So I'm not surprised that that was the Ona Maguire's. I, I don't think she'd be looking at any positives. I go back to uh, this time last year, interviewing her down at Adair Manor after a round at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, where obviously it's a celebration. And she just came off the course and was like, obviously, this is a great day. There was huge crowds following her around, all of that. Uh, everyone was going in to have their fancy dinner or watch a bit of Westlife and all that. Not Leona, who was desperately disappointed with her round, uh, couldn't hide it, was going to the putting green for an hour to try and fix things after the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, uh, which <laughs> sort of shows where her mindset is, even at things like that. So, yeah, I think Amber is right. You would hope that Stephanie Meadow, this is her best performance in years. I think she finished third on her pro debut at the US Open in 2014, but... This should at least seal her card and be able to relax her a little bit. Um, you know, she just got married recently, so off the course things seem to be in a good place as well for Stephanie Meadow. But 
that shot on 18 is one that I think uh, we'll live there for a while exactly should be living through it yeah I guess Patrick Harrington we should mention as well and that's why we have golf and amber because uh, for him last night was unbelievable uh, trail by five shots with seven holes to play um, what tournament did he win? This is the Dick Sporting Goods Open, so he's defended his title. Um, and like, sorry, but the the, the back. My, my two kids when they're in America is like Dick Sporting God. That's <laughs> yeah. the greatest name I've ever seen. <laughs> You've never lost a chair. Oh come on, you got to take it when you. <laughs> you got what? Smoke him, smoke him, smoke him when you got him. <laughs> oh God. I'll move on from that one, get that image out of my head. But uh, yeah, final line uh, twenty eight was just remarkable. Um, five, was it five birdies and an eagle? Like towards the back end. Yeah, it was a ridiculous uh, finish from Harrington uh, defending his title here. And again, the US uh, Seniors Open is on this week. Mm. Harrington Wisconsin. went all the way against Steve Stricker in the last major, uh, won the US Open last year. You got to think. He's, he's going to do it again. Right there. I keep pointing this out, but he's winning more in prize money now than he ever did in his best years, even the years when he was winning two majors in the same season yeah. he actually won more in in real terms obviously not including inflation I understand the tax boring economist out there but um, yeah $315,000 for last night's win and that takes him to over a million I think on the PGA Tour this year and it's barely got going it's not bad uh, and look he was tied for fifth overnight heading into the final round so he probably hadn't really considered the fact that he could probably win but um, yeah what a performance 51 years of age still flying at Patrick Harrington so Irish golf Deservedly. Edward Freeman wants to ask, is Ryan O'Donoghue in the red for his cheap shot stamp that will surely get him a suspension for the weekend? There's no, there's no, you don't get suspended anymore. In the, in the, like, there has to be, you have to kill somebody to um, get suspended from this point of the tournament on. Listen, right? as Sean Kavanagh said, it takes two to tango. Now, it did look as though maybe Sean Kelly was tangoing with somebody else at the time. Sometimes, uh, sometimes as Sean Kavanagh well knows, it only takes one to tango. So let me just say that. Uh, it's hard considering the video footage that they have now it didn't look good from Ryan O'Donoghue the little look down first but they don't have the footage of the feet right you know, so you think it'll be grand it's like trying to judge on Strictly but not only seeing the top half of things you know there's a lot going on down under uh, I can't deal with another Mayo for Sam Summer and inevitable failure hopefully they're gone the next day says Shade who I think is a Mayo fan judging by that <laughs> I think he's a Mayo fan. I hope they're gone the next day. Well, the, the good thing about this championship is it's not going to last very long, anyways. Now it'll all be done in a month. So yeah, yeah. How do we feel about that? Like as the, the weather gets good and the play gets good, everybody's gone. I'm happy for the players. I think they finally get a summer, summer break, summer holidays. Uh, well, they're going to straight back into club action because we all know the club is club is where you start club. and club is where you end. Club yeah, clubman. Hundred percent. Um, uh, Russ Commoner offered to watch not sure how far Cork will go but delighted that awful brand of football didn't win says D Muller I don't know about that I don't agree with that I like I mean, come on like, what are you, what are you, well, they're not here for your entertainment they're here to win this is, yeah, this is exactly. senior championship football that's yeah. their job Russ Commoner had a good year oh, this art gallery is boring well don't watch <laughs> exactly if look it was boring to watch Monaghan Kildare at times but if your team is involved you're still just excited you're still on the edge of your seat you know, Does everyone games. forget the hits the Mayo forwards have been getting all season? It's about time they gave some back, says Kevin Brannigan. What about Aidan O'Shea in the tee? Eamon Fitz pointed this out in commentary. Did you see that? No. From McBreen's goal, Aidan O'Shea is, is uh, past the ball and lays it back off to McBreen for the, for the assist. And he has, <laughs> he has Conor Leeson's kicking tee in his hand. As full forwards tend to do, they, they will just run about with the tee in their hand, thinking if this ball goes wide or whatever, I'm going to disrupt. So they just walk around with the tee and... Uh, Aidan O'Shea has the tee in his hand is past the ball and has to throw throw the tee out of his hand to collect the ball and then pass it off for the goal so shithousery almost 
didn't pay off for Aidan O'Shea because multi-talented man. Yeah. Good, good, good hands. You'd have to argue. Good hands as a yeah. basketball. Turns out the basketball has exactly. uh, worked well from. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Let him at it. Move into the red, and uh, we'll start with Tipperary, I suppose, because Tipperary uh, will be certainly disappointed with that with the manner of the defeat, won't they? Like two point defeat only to, to Galway. <laughs> Here we go again. Uh, but like Galway with eighteen wides again, it's not a perfect Galway performance, but still t- to have the ability to beat Tipperary on a on a day like that where you certainly say you weren't at your best yourself um, they had the first half no show against Waterford of course Tipperary and it was kind of similar to that their full forward line starting full forward line failed to score um, and then the John McGrath goal you think gets them back to within a point and, and they might push on from there but I mean well, it just wasn't to be when they're, when they're making that comeback the way they made the comeback everybody in Galway and everybody around the country is like flaky flaky Galway here we go again this just happened last week for them to get come through that you hope that they're somehow Relieved from the burden of flakiness, and now can go and do themselves justice against Limerick. I think, yeah, then sorry, Tip conceding that goal straight from the throw-in at uh, in the second half as well. You're just like, did they not hold on here? By the way, Connor Whelan, player player herder of the year, if Galway win in All Ireland. That's, 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 that's the biggest if we've had so far this morning. I yeah, think Shane, true, true. Uh, like the catch and the little handoff was probably one of the moments of the summer so far, and Tip never got to grips with him at all. It, these quarterfinals. Some years they just come to life and you're there till 11 o'clock at night and both games go to extra time and you really feel there's a bit of momentum with the winners. It Limerick felt very flat, on. very flat. But you'd no. have to think, a couple of week break, Galway can regroup, 18 wides. They're not going to have 18 wides in an All-Ireland semi-final. Uh, Skettle was making the point on the Hurling pod last week, like, you look at them the last five, six years, it's a one-score game that beats Galway when it comes down to it in these uh, championship games. So they'll keep it a lot tighter they'll improve and tip like the Galway footballers like they've lost so many players over the last year that these are the games where it catches you out mm. yeah they didn't perform they didn't seem to have any energy um, you know manager was very honest afterwards that you know, maybe they went that they should they have gone all out against Offaly last week with sort of their first choice 15 and they had to get they had to get game time that's into the them, thing. And confidence if they them. lose and they don't we're going ah oh, yeah, players are too well rested but yeah it was a strange game because it's Galway tip and there was such a bit of bite beforehand and we kind of got a full understanding of how much these two hate each other you felt it was going to come alive Yeah, and it was just a bit ugh. a bit dead right come on into the red yeah also the red, red. Uh, yeah. women's women's GA I guess the news that they kind of broke last night we saw the protests at the at the different games of the weekend uh, where teams would sit down after the national anthem and before throw in and you see a photo up on screen there of different teams engaging in that protest but uh, the Cork Senior Camogie and Ladies Football teams as well releasing a, a joint statement last night urging the LGFA and Camogie Association uh, to avoid uh, a clash of championship fixtures so already there have been two fixture class- clashes involving the Cork Ladies Football and Camogie teams including last weekend um, so dual players of course have to make a decision Cork afford uh, dual players Libby Coppinger Hannah Looney Aoife Healy and Orla Cahalan uh, and they've had to make decisions so uh, you've got coming up this weekend uh, the Cork footballers in the All Ireland Senior Championship Group Four against Tipperary. That's uh, two o'clock in Clonakilty, and then the the Camogie team are away to Clare and Cusick Park an hour later. So obviously impossible. Both teams, by the way, need to to win to guarantee places in the knockout stages. So it's not like one of the games uh, is less important than the other. Um, I mean, last Saturday, this this is how ridiculous this is, by the way. So the Cork Camogie team played down in Parky Cueve at three. The footballers are away to Galway and Salt Hill at half seven. Libby Coppinger plays the full Camogie match. Then she rushes to Galway, she comes on as a second half sub. Aoife Healy plays for the Camogie team and Hannah Looney chooses the football that weekend. Uh, Orla Cahalan was injured. But the fact that these players are having to make decisions in, in games of this magnitude is outrageous at this stage. 
I mean, like, no wonder there were protests at the weekend because the likes of this happening is just farcical. Yeah, well, there's five or six different things going on here, I think, that um, understandably the players are protesting about expenses, e- uh, equal treatment, all of that. This is one of the reasons why it's going to end up taking too long to get a merger, amalgamation, whatever words they want to use together because the camogie are going to be going well, we don't want to be in a position where the LGFA are telling us when we're going to have our games that their players should get priority. And the LGFA are going to be thinking the exact same thing. So rather than having a bit of common sense and sitting down at the start of the year and working out a programme and going maybe, well, why don't we do Saturday and you do Sunday? Or something like this that makes a little bit of sense. Or we just do every second weekend. And you know what? We'll run our championship on a little bit later. Maybe we'll go into August and September take when there's the nothing else on. And we'll just take over the airwaves. Yeah. And we'll be the front and centre every single weekend. And people will be following these games and excited by them. But instead we're going to put them on at the exact same time. So even the supporters who want to follow, who want to get behind us, can't do that either. So... I think the the starting point to this protest that has taken place and the players weren't fully committal as to what was going to happen mm. uh, last week when you know we saw those very powerful images of all the county jerseys on stage together that was so reminiscent of Liberty Hall and the women's soccer team back in 2019. Uh, this is a GPA initiative. Why aren't the men taking part in it as well? Like This is one organisation that has come together. So while there were... Um, ladies football games on TV over the weekend the games that were front and centre on RTE over the weekend were the men's games in hurling and football why wasn't this same protest happening there to draw attention to this Yeah, considering the GPA is the one that is already unified that is a one organisation that has to be the next step for this do the men not support them is that what is that, like what's the implication of this you know because if they don't if they don't support them I don't know why uh, and if they do support them what are they doing about it also, sorry, the, the decision to play out the remainder of the championship under protest, like, I respect that, but also, would it not have made more of an impact just saying, we're not playing, we're not playing? I, I, like, why, I know that's But then you're punishing yourself. I, I don't think, yeah. I, I think these sort of protests... Make a point, though. Well, you're making a point, too. You're, you're shooting yourself yeah. in the foot. So you're 25 you're, years of age at the peak of your career, yeah. and I know so you can make the argument have the opportunity well. to play for a championship this year. Of course you should. Yeah, but you bite that bullet. You make like, you make um, the game much um, better for the generations after you, and for well, the, for the following mean, years as well. You're you're trusting the organisation to act on the basis of shame, like, and that they won't. Yeah, I I, I think not you're into a, a war there that there's no guarantee on the other side. They say, all right, we will back down here. Yeah, fair play. You made a good point there, and we're going to fix it by doing this, 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 and this. Yeah. That, that's not going to happen. It's it's actually it's the men's GAA that needs to fix this problem by coming across with equal money and equal funding and saying, yeah, we are, okay, we accept that as part of, as a, as a token of our uh, goodwill and, and good faith ahead of the actual merger that's going to happen. Here's the money that we will be paying out in the future anyway. Because they have us. We know they have us. Like the, the GA is making loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of money. And uh, that's evidence if you just look at their, their um, annual accounts. They can easily afford to pay the women the same mileage that they're paying the men. It's a really simple, straightforward thing for them to do to solve all this. But the men players need to back the women, as Nathan says. Yeah, it's the time it's taken. Like, and the statement last week kind of hinted at that. They said, look, integration was, was made a priority at this meeting and all the membership of the three associations agreed, but that's over 18 months ago now. Yeah. So like, it's just yeah. going... And look, the, these things are complicated. Integration could be complicated. There's lots of different systems in the background that can take time. But you can get ahead of it and the showpiece occasions, make sure that they're... Like the Cork, Camogie and Ladies Footballers are something that should be celebrated. They should be front and centre of any new organisation. Instead, you're putting them head to head. Mm.
Right, that's this week. Gillette Labs performance rankings. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of Off the Ball. Braeburn Coffee is coming to an Apple Green store near you. New Braeburn locations are popping up every month. Visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Braeburn to find your nearest Braeburn Coffee experience. After the break, getting football with Anthony Moyles. We're about half an hour away from the draw for the All-Ireland quarterfinals. Uh, in preparation for that, uh, I'm delighted to see Anthony Moyles with us. Anthony, good morning to you. Morning, Jer. How are you? Tough, tough weekend for the Kildare supporters out there. We may as well do two minutes on this at the top. Ten, maybe. Let Shane have his lap of honour. <laughs> Big story of the weekend is obviously Galway and Mayo. But um, I, I was making the point earlier on that the difference between Division 1 and Division 2 football, um, it's, it's, it's not obvious always, but it's kind of obvious in that, like, more often than not, Monaghan made the right decisions. And look, you know, this is very wise after the fact and mm. a bit of scoreboard journalism. Um, there's just a slight difference between the Division 1 teams and the Division 2 teams normally you get away with more as a Division 1 team you know more you've got a little bit more self-confidence in the last few minutes because I actually thought like on the balance of play Kildare could easily have won that game and if they'd won the game it wouldn't have been uh, it, it was not a smash and grab from that perspective so if you're trying to build a team who's going to be a, a competitor you have to be in Division 1 season in season out and it's very hard otherwise yeah, and I think it's, it, it comes down to decision-making, really. Um, and it's, 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 at those, it's at the finer point in the game that those decisions really mm. matter. You know, so it's it's the thing of that when you're in Division One and when you're coming up against the teams that you come up against week in week out, um, and you're in those times of say five minute plays, six minute plays, which is six minutes left to go, and you're training for that, and you're making the right decisions, you're holding on to the ball for a period of time during that, you're making decoy runs, you're you're trying to get your shooter onto the ball, or it's a bit more frantic. And as you go down the divisions. This, the condition and levels have improved massively over in, 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 in the country, right? So, so most teams are conditioned now to a point where they will stick with you. And of course, as you go from 4 3 2 1, it gets better and better and better. So, skill levels, yep, yeah, same thing. You know, most, most fellas can, you know, are, are adept left, right, can do what they need to do. But it's those small decisions, and especially as the pressure builds. So, as the pressure cooker increases, and as that kind of moment it gets in, and there's more jeopardy on the line. That's the new buzzword at the moment. But there's more on the line. There's there's all of those instances, and you see it right over the weekend. You know, you can pick the pick the pick the situations out. You know, watching the Mead match, Mead cruising, and then a couple of incidents where all they needed to do was reward the runner. You know, just give a simple little hand pass, runner coming off the shoulder, and it's either a goal or it's an easy point, and you put another sword in Antrim, and instead they don't, and Antrim managed to still have breath. Mm. Same thing with Kildare. Couple of incidents where they reward the runner. You should just slip the ball, take an easy score, you know, or open up a goal chance. Um, You don't do it, and you might get a point, whereas three was really on on, on the line. And it doesn't matter whether, Jared's it's in the first minute, or the 75th minute, you know, when those decisions have to be made. So you look at Mayo on the goal, ball comes through, beautiful run by McBreen. Next thing, mm. Aidan O'Shea has only one thing in his mind, which is, I ain't going for this. This is a, just a simple little one-two hand pass back, you know, reward the runner that's in the back of the net. Tierney on the other end comes up, instead of going round the keeper, you know, I know it's easy to say from here, but he tries to kick it and he blows a straight up reef. So it's just, it's just those, it's, it's decision making around, and, and, and generally the teams that win 
are the fellows who are just better. And it's not even, a, it, it is a skill thing, but it's also a mindset and it's also being ready for that and doing it, as I say, week yeah. in, week out. And, and adaptability to pressure. The, yeah. one, the one caveat to all this, obviously, is Cork, who have now beaten Division 1 um, talent back-to-back weeks. And I think we should really, um, you know, do them the proper service of analysing that game and their performance and, yeah. and just the quality of it because and maybe maybe this year actually when you look at Division 2 it was like full of really good teams we had essentially two Division 1 teams in Derry and Dublin mm-hmm. and now it turns out Cork were a mm-hmm. really excellent side as well so um, you know maybe I'm maybe I'm clutching at straws uh, for trying to find a reason for Kildare uh, but from Cork's perspective like this is, does seem like it's the birth of a team who are going to be a proper championship team. So bear in mind, we're, we're more than likely going to have this for the next three years. This, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you would expect now Cork to be contenders to reach quarterfinals in each of those years on the basis of what we're seeing at the moment. There's a style, there's a pattern of play, there's a, a rapid uh, athleticism to their counterattacking, and they certainly have big game mentality able to stick with Roscommon when it looked like various patches that yeah. they were going to end up being the Division 2 team against the Division 1 team but um, to be able to book that is very impressive I think Cork over the last number of years uh, they played an awful lot to suit other people's styles you know I think they, they realised that maybe they didn't have it in the tank with regard to what we were just speaking about there in, in conditioning you know remember a year or two ago they played Kerry in the Munster and they stuck with them for a long time about 55-60 minutes and then Kerry just blew them away in that last 10 or 15 minutes um, I think there was a belief in their own mind that they couldn't stick with these teams and I think now which is strange over the course of a year and and by the way it just doesn't happen in one year it happens over there has to be a body of work that comes but generally it culminates in a match where it comes to a big scalp and when you take that big scalp the difference it makes to a dressing room the difference it makes to belief the management can tell you as much as they they can see it every night they can see well we're, we're, we're hitting it you can tell the players you say listen you're right on an equal par but it doesn't matter because when they cross that white line it's that little voice in the back of their head saying you're just not there yet. you're just not good enough you know and then someone like a Clifford scores a point off you and you think oh and you retreat back into your shell rather than going getting the ball and racing up the pitch and sticking the ball over the bar yourself which lots mm. of the Cork cornerbacks did and fullback did I think they scored another two or three points at the weekend so that confidence that comes from you know you don't get up there and you look to dish it off to a corner forward you get up there and you go no no I can kick this and that's that's all the belief Jer. and and it, it does come from those big scalps and you can see it you know there was lots of people after round one and round two of the league were kind of saying where are Cork going are Cork possibly looking at relegation and now yeah, you know no one would want them because by the way they have all the attributes that you want very very tight and powerful six at the back very capable mm. loads of pace and they're nasty they can give it to you if you want massively powerful midfield very mobile can take scores and then you have a forward line I think okay the forward line maybe is one to two fellas maybe short but still if they get Hurley back if they have Sherlock uh, Jones as well they've got they've got some Enigma players they've got some you've got some you know they've got, got, got a lot of power up there as well 
you know they're, they're, they've and they've got momentum now. Yeah, you know, the old famous momentum, which is which is behind them. I felt very sorry for Roscommon, I have to say, because I don't think that makes Roscommon a bad team. No. By the way, uh, they were within a hair's breadth of winning it and possibly could have. Like daily, I know there's going to be lots of talk about referees, but was it a foul? Was it not a foul? Yeah, I'm not I, sure. What, you know, is it a foul? I don't think you can throw the ball up to yourself. But, uh, like, what, what's the difference between bouncing it? Did Aidan O'Shea in the first, did he ham, remember in the first, did he hand pass that through and then re, because I thought he lost control yeah. and then regathered it in, in a, the, and, you know? It's a very grey area, like if you lose control it's seen as okay, you've just, you've just lost control, but if you throw it to yourself as in. Then it bounced. Yeah. Yeah, I know you can't, yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah, but, but, but I'd like to you hear know, the referee so, in this one. It is, but I thought it was a great game, and they do deserve credit for it uh, because you know Roscommon put it back to them. Roscommon, we knew Roscommon wouldn't die. They've yeah. been doing it all year. You know they have been showing what to do. But I also felt Roscommon's again their maybe their reliance on where well, we're going to going to choke the game. I thought they could have went for the jugular a bit more. Um, and I think when they went five down, they had to come out and play, and they showed that they can play and they can kick scores. Remember, mm. I think if they applied that a little bit more in the first half, I think they would have had enough room. But fair play to Cork, they're there on merit. And I think to get far, we've talked about this before. You need scorers from the wing back positions, and from like you mentioned, like Matty Taylor, I think was man of the match for Cork yesterday, scoring from the back. Tommy Walsh as well. Conor McCarthy had one two for Monaghan yesterday. He had one two against. Clare recently as well from wing half back like the thing about Cork as well is and we'll find out obviously in the draw shortly but so they can either get Dublin Derry or Armagh and we could be sitting here in half an hour's time going Cork against either of those Ulster teams and they'll fancy a scalp I'm not saying they can't beat Dublin either by the way I think I think Cork regardless of which of those three teams they get will will think they'll they have a strong chance of getting to a semi-final well you kind of you now go back to a little bit about tradition and mindset and Dublin would never fear Cork. And I know they say, oh, they, but, but it does matter. It does matter. They, they'll, they, you saw it this year. They'll say to themselves, we were right there. We had that game, potentially. Mm. And I don't, I, I, I honestly... Sorry, Cork will never fear, fear Dublin. Sorry, Cork yeah. will never fear Dublin. Uh, it's, 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 it is a situation now. Look, I mean, you, you have it so evenly poised, you know, and I know even, you know, whether it was Monaghan or Kildare, um, Monaghan as well will come in and say, like, I think there's a few sitting ducks in that last four. I really do. I think Kerry are sitting ducks. I know, I know. I, I, I honestly think you take, I think if you have a good enough plan, I think Kerry are teetering. I really do. All of a sudden I want Monaghan to draw Kerry. I just don't, I just, I think, I think you can set up against them. Did they not fix their problems? And I, I know you can't tell because it's loud and loud. Uh, for whatever reason, against the two big teams, didn't do what they were supposed to do and, and play the defensive structure that we know they're capable of. So it doesn't make any sense. But did they not? Did Kerry not just get the the memory of being All Ireland contenders? No, no. Louder were beaten Docket at that stage. You know they were gone. Whatever the loud lads had put in for those two previous games, which was immense, and you know they they nearly pulled it out mm-hmm. of the bag against Mayo. With the, they, they were they were done. So in the back of your mind, you're saying yes, but then after fifteen or twenty minutes or thirty five or forty minutes, you just start to go. You know what? I'm feeling a bit sore. I'm a bit oh. tired. It's been a long year, and you're done. You know, and then Kerry do what they can do to you. Yeah. Well, do we not then now on the basis of how well Cork have played need to go back and revisit how Kerry just took care of business in that first half and the second half was boring because the game is over? Like, is that not something that would give Kerry a bit of confidence? Again, but I, did, I, 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 I it wasn't the same Cork team as 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 what what would be sitting there this morning. 
Like if you're if you're if you're if you're the court management team, you're going in there and the court players. There is a completely different vibe, and 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 for all of them, Monaghan will feel the same. You know, Monaghan will revisit that and say, right, what can we do that we that we didn't do well, but we're still here, mm. and and we're we're onto it again. Mayo, absolutely full of pomp after the weekend, full of confidence. Mad for action. Someone, like, like, and Tyrone, by the way, because yeah. people are kind of <laughs> we're forgetting sneaking, about Tyrone. And you know what? People will kind of go, ah, oh, don't he go with the troubles? And I watched, I said to myself, I hadn't watched the Tyrone thing, so I said, I'll just watch the highlights. But I actually watched the full game last night mm. because I was like, oh, in the first four minutes, I was like, holy gee. I said, I haven't seen this from Tyrone. Since the All-Ireland, they absolutely railroaded Donegal. Yeah. They wouldn't let them out of their own half. They were so physical. They were unbelievably skillful. It was actually like watching, watching the Canavan lads. is like you're watching plus 16 on the fast forward. It's just, they're, just, they're just so fast. They're running around everywhere. It's just yeah. like, what am I doing? Like it, it is, dealt with the wind as well, probably better dealt than Dealt with Donegal, the wind. You know, and that Donegal, Donegal, by the way, did not lie down. Donegal put in a performance. Mm. They had all their big lads back. Um, Aidan Rourke has stepped down, by the way. Um, yeah. Like uh, yeah. The job that he did is, you know, quietly one of the great managerial shepherding of a chaos and, mm. and rescuing. I think he's, he's certainly done his reputation no end of good. Like if you were a county anywhere close to where he lives, you'd be ringing him up and saying, do you want to join the backroom team? You know. Uh, if yeah. you're a manager and he, he he said afterwards that it's a full-time job and it, it didn't feel like maybe the immediate aftermath of that Donegal job in particular he's not too mad keen but I'd be looking to get him involved he seems to know what he's doing now, he's a very smart guy he was, a, he was a great player on the pitch he was a smart player on the pitch he knew where to be um, you know he pulled strings for Armagh um, within a, a very very talented team and a lot of other fellas got a lot of credits whereas he was very he, he was happy to stay in the background but actually be a guy that if you spoke to them would say He's the man, by the way. He's the man that makes us tick. So he's. A, I think also he, you know, he tipped the hat to Paddy Carr. What's going on up there was out of their control, mm-hmm. shall we say? But to be able to bring those fellas back to put in the performance that they have put in over the last while has been brilliant. I saw someone posting a stat yesterday on Twitter saying like, was it seventy something percent of teams that had the rest week, as in the carries of this world for this weekend coming, got through and end up winning the game. But I'm wondering, like, would you prefer to be in the position of, of the teams with that extra week break or are you looking at going momentum, a nice win under your belt? At this the week? NFL. Was that not the start? In Could have been. It, yeah, possibly it was. Yeah. But like, yeah. I guess it, it stands to reason for well, sport generally. Like, yeah. if you get the week's break, it, it helps. But then maybe momentum is the thing you want. I think Kerry, to go back to that, I know we're jumping around here a bit, but there's just so much going on. I think Kerry... Like it's weird yesterday when I look at Galway, right, and and I see Comer and Walsh, the two biggest players that they have, and how you know obviously an injury and just a serious lack of form. If you roll it back, Comer missed a massive amount of obviously true injury, and I honestly think people talk about preseason and you know you can get fit. I think you can get fit over a period of time for one game. But it's very difficult when you've missed a body of work, okay, to come back for a grueling boom, 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 right? That that takes, because the body starts to go, where is the stuff that you did? In, and it literally is. It goes back to what you did in December and January. It's that stuff of having it in the tank. Um, he didn't have it. And he has broken down, shall we say. Walsh, with Kilmacud's exploits, he came back late, all those different things, because he looks a pale shadow of himself. You know, if you even watch him outside of his shooting, just watch him in general play. Didn't really want to get involved. You can see the movement is kind of 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 a similar shape, 
But it's not at the same pace or explosiveness. Correct. It's not at the same. He he looks like he doesn't look as conditioned as he was in previous years. He looks like he has just settled mm. back. And I don't know if it's that move. I don't know if it's travelling up and down. Maybe he's not. You know, it's 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 a tricky situation. And like I wouldn't be in yet, terribly so. surprised if Croaks went deep again, would you? So correct. Oh. You know, so it's a hard thing for him. And 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 I honestly think that decision. You know, even though uh, maybe I sat a little bit on the fence because, look, I, I've moved clubs plenty of times. Um, but that decision seemed like a bit of a seminal moment for him um, because not only was he making a decision of moving club, but he was now saying to the county team, you know, and, and it's a, of course it's around his work, right? And it's a difficult thing to do. But when you have that gap, you're not with the squad. You're not doing as much stuff as they are doing. You're not, you're not getting the stuff in the tank that we spoke about. Um, and you become a little bit of an outsider. You just do, you know. Um, and it's a, it's a hard thing for him. And you could kind of see it yesterday um, because it was, you know, his performance yesterday was way below par. Um, so was that Galway's window? Is Galway's window shut? I think it possibly... Look, they still have enough talent. I don't think they're nasty enough. I know that's been thrown at Galway a lot. And what does that mean? I don't mean that you're boxing the head off, but what I mean is is that you, you, are, you have enough leaders and fellas who are able to stand up. Conroy did it yesterday. Um, Killian did, Day maybe, did yeah. it yesterday. Um, it means you're a flat-track bully when you've got the win behind you. You have an eight-point lead instead of a five-point lead. Yeah. You know, you know it is. ruthlessness about going for the goal chances to kill the opposition, mm. even though... Correct. You know, and, and, and when I look at the teams left, I, I, the first thing I would look at is, 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 well, nastiness, ruthlessness. Who's going to do it? Who's going to put it up to you from 2 to 15? Who's going to give you to you all day long? And we talk about Tyrone. Tyrone are very much definitely back. They have regained that. Yeah. Um, and they have it, right? I'd so, like to see Tyrone against Dublin in the next round. That would be... Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be, yeah, that would be, that'd be a series. Because again, I, you know, have Dublin got it? I, you know, there's still question marks over Dublin. Uh, I think they still have the players to do it. But again, so... so when you look at the guys, I think it was imperative to get that rest week. Mm. And I think it's made a big, big help for them. Potentially if they use it well. Because what you don't do is you don't run the dog out of them. You don't say, like, you need to, you need to give these guys, you need to say, right, well, we're actually going to use this in a, in a very um, efficient manner. Dublin needed it, I think. So the likes of James yeah. McCarthy and these guys would have been absolutely begging for that kind of a week to refresh. Yeah. And I think Kerry really needed it. Derry, not so much. Derry, I think, are one of those momentum-type teams. Mm. They want to keep going. They want to keep steamrolling whoever's in front of them. When they sit back, it might be, hmm, we're thinking about this for a bit too long. I think our man needed it. Yeah. Right? Definitely. So, but again, it's that freshness versus yeah. this energy. That's, that's the big question coming into this weekend. I could see Derry or our man toppling either Dublin or Kerry in a big game at this stage. Of the teams who've come through yesterday, can you see any of those causing a... Well, obviously Mayo. Can, can Mayo beat a Dublin or Kerry? I think they can. Um, I think Mayo... That felt like a one-point hammering yesterday for me. You know, I think it was... I think, yeah. I think Mayo, for some reason, had literally the foot in the throat and they kind of went, ah, we'll just rest it there for a while and then eventually we'll apply it. Like, they really... Uh, they, they own the second half um, and and I thought they were you know Galway did rise a bit but I think Mayo kind of 
retreated a little bit and said, right, we'll bring you on to us and then we'll just kick a couple of scores and they tried to manage the last few minutes. Um, I still think, don't think he has found his... Again, like they're a smart management team, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to do horses for courses. Um, but I think he probably want to give a few lads a few wake up calls yeah. post the last game um, because I didn't really understand. I know O'Hara was sick, but I was kind of going Matty Ruan. I think he is needed in there because definitely when you get into Crow Park, you need that speed and you know kind of agility and all of those that different things you should get from your half back in midfield. Mm. And I think it's imperative that he gets Ruan back into that second. Is the Mayo kicker? It's a concern. Like you looked at even yesterday, I think it was four out of their thir- own thirteen kickouts they won. Whereas Galway were winning basically all of their own kickouts, yeah, albeit yeah. some of them were taken short. But but Mayo, you need to retain possession from your kickouts, and if you're not doing that against Dublin or Kerry. You're not going to win the game. No, you're going to be murdered. Um, and that's why, you know, they had to bring, obviously, O'Shea out in that first half, you know, and they, and they put him out there when they were facing it into the breeze. Um, and, and then what that did, of course, is it robbed them of that focal point up front where they were just able to dish the ball off left and right. And I thought I don't know who had a quite enough game considering. Um, Sorry, they were first off stats as well. So obviously they're, they're against the, the wind is a, yeah. is a factor, but still you need to have plan. Is, you need a, you need to have plan, but, but, you know, when you're playing against a big breeze mm. and a squeeze, it's very, very difficult. You know, it's very, very difficult because, you know, if you give a floating kick out, it just kind of hangs in the air and it can be destroyed. And if everyone's pressing up, it's, you have to just go long. Mm. And then, you know, you're literally just putting it out there, 50, you know, 50. and you're just, you're just hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, what about the standard refereeing at the weekend? Obviously, it, was, it came up for conversation in the aftermath. Hey, I hate giving out referees, but like. Yeah, you know, and so do I because, you know, We'll throw out the old stuff. It is a difficult job, all that thing. But I, I, I'd say the main concern, Jer, um, for managers and for players um, is the fact that, never mind the standard, but the way games are being refereed between different games is so different. So over the weekend, the Russ Common game, I thought, was re- refereed really well. And there was, a, there was a physicality that was let happen during the game. Um, which is, it is a physical game, you know. Mm. So, the only cards so was, came in, in stoppage time at the end, and I actually thought the red card was a bit ridiculous. It was definitely. Uh, now look, there's a, a raised, a raised hand, but there's definitely a. Oh my god, you've touched me in the face after I've pushed you. Like, yeah, um, yeah. That I find that sickening. But anyway. Yeah, but you know, yes, but I, I think I think what what was very evident was I think the, the the referees, to be fair to them, have tried to pick up on the old hand over the shoulder and I grab you and I go down yeah. they, they, they've picked up a lot of the feigning of stuff they picked up a lot of fellas going down with their head pretending that they're especially after stuff like goals and things like that trying to buy time kill momentum so they are picking up but the, the difference is so so the Kildare game you're kind of going Jesus everything was being blown and then some things where you kind of go how is that not a free but those what decisions blown? In, the, in that game were different because they were like and I, I look I agree I, I don't like to criticise referees I tweeted during the game saying I think the officiating in that game was atrocious but that's nothing personal against the referee he just had a terrible terrible day but I, I, I also think Glenn Ryan's comments afterwards don't help when he's saying what's he saying I, I was chatting during the week to someone and this man is out of his depth and he proved tonight he was out of his depth and then he's talking about David Goff being on the sideline and an official of that experience maybe yeah. should be refereeing instead. And he was, start, he was saying things like Goff was agreeing with me during the game that some of the decisions were wrong. And I had sympathy for Dan Ryan because a lot of decisions against both teams were horrific. Well, uh, well, look, I think regardless of referees, what you need to try to do is you need to try to ref- make the referees' um, job 
easier. So in these games, and we go back to our very, very, very first point about conditioning and about how teams are equalising mm. out over the last number of years, right? So you look at all the games. I don't know the exact stats on it, but even this week, last week, whatever it is, most games are being won by a point or two. So when a point or two comes to a situation where you get a free, which is like the one that's standing out to me in the Kildare game is... Um, can't remember who makes him one. It might have been Carl O'Connell, who was again brilliant. Yep. But Flynn, who was brilliant, hits him with his chest. Remember that one? And he bounces oh, yeah. him onto the ground yeah. and they get the ball back and it was a free in. Like that, that's the type of thing where you're, <laughs> Glenn Ryan's lying in bed last night or mm-hmm. and he's just going, oh, like that's, that's an easy score. That's a tap over score. And it's something that comes back against you. And some fellas say, oh, it evens out. It doesn't often even no, out. No, to and be fair, Ryan O'Toole was stripped the ball from a Kildare player as well and had a, had a free given it for a perfectly good tackle. It was a tap over free again. But I, I, I do take your point. Yeah, there. but it's just, it's, just, it's just, yeah. And, and, but where I go back to trying to help them out. So the timekeeping thing. Like, and, and I heard what you said earlier on, and you were right. There was 40 or 50 odd seconds because they were taking someone off and then they were putting Wiley on. But what happens is people expect at 74 minutes, if it's four, people expect the whistle just to be blown. And then it goes on to 74 and a half, 75, 76. And you're kind of going, whereas they're de- they just need to bring in a, 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 ho- a hooter of sorts or whatever it is. Just say, right, it's going to this time and bang, that's it. <laughs> it just stops all that. It takes it out of the referee. The, the referee should not have discretion at that time of the game. You know, because there's just too much on the line. And all the players know, right, literally it's 20 seconds to count down mm. or whatever it is. Um, because, you know, just make it easier for the fella. Yeah, yeah, because it looked like they weren't going to get a shot off in time. Yeah. And, then, and then they didn't. And then it's like, oh no, actually they had extra time, which they didn't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, which is a slightly fluky element of... Uh, <laughs> fluky. Of all that. Oh. Bitter, clear, man. Totally fluky. Yeah, wearing um, the hat or not? I, uh, the Mead Antrim game ended up being fairly dramatic in the end. Mead made hard work of it. <sighs> yeah, uh, yeah, they were cruising. Um, you know, Andy Mack has done, I think, a fantastic job up there, and Antrim are playing yeah. nice, nice brand of football, and they've got some really, good, really good players. Again, I think it's just decision making uh, when the pressure comes on, and you see it, and you saw it on both teams, um, um, but. Very, very equal in the first half. As a matter of fact, very, very equal game. Second half, Mead in that kind of a 10, 15-minute period and the start of the second half to kind of stretch it out, got a goal and kind of pushed ahead. Um, but then Antrim, to be fair, were eight points down, came right back into it um, and could have caught them, had chances at the end. They had a great goal chance where there was, four, I think it was like mm-hmm. a four-on-two or a four-on-three and I can't remember the player, but he just soloed it up and just miscontrolled it instead of, instead of quickly passing it through the hands. So look, Mead will be happy they'll be disappointed Disappointed, but O'Rourke can kind of go in and say, right, here's stuff we need to work on for the next day. And they're going to come up against Down, who obviously gave Leash a bit of a tank. Gordon Morris, brilliant. Yeah, like Morris, Morris is, 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 has been moving well. Um, you know, I think what they're doing is they're trying to bring pace and a little bit mm. of kind of, you know, that uh, whippy kind of corner yeah. forwards in, in, into place with Lynch as well in the other corner. They're not lacking in confidence, those lads. And when they get on top of you, they will do it. So, you know, Antrim, there was a, there was plenty of space in in front of that full forward line. Will they be favoured the same amount of space? But of course, it'll be Crow Park. So, you know, it does it does make a difference. Um, Matthew Costello has, has well, you know, has done really really well. Um, 
and did really, really well again, I think, over the weekend. You know, played played brilliant. And there's a young lad, Connor Gray, who's in midfield for me. He came from the under-20s. He's only 19 or so. Um, and I thought he had a powerful game as well. So they, they're, they're, they're really... They're, yeah, they're coming. You know, he's he's given a lot of debutants and a lot of young lads their 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 their, their games, um, and you know it's it's just a work in progress, really. Jerry. First first draws out. Kerry versus Tyrone. Yeah, wow. S- sitting ducks. Bye bye, Kerry. You think so? Yeah. All right. Wow. The Canavans. You think that's the end? Yeah. Wow. Well, and I, I so two of these are Saturday and two of these are Sunday. Oh, that's unbelievable. Kerry Tyrone yeah you're excited yes well, Kerry could only get Monaghan or, or if Tyrone, I was Tyrone I'd, if I was Tyrone I'd be excited uh, so that's the first one uh, the delay <laughs> always delayed um, yeah not a, not a comment on anything so uh, if it's Kerry Tyrone it's going to be Dublin Mayo is it no Armagh well, Monaghan can now get uh, Armagh or Dublin Armagh or Dublin we obviously can't get Kerry anymore and um, we can't get Derry so yeah Armagh versus Monaghan it is. is is it confirmed? yeah coming through now Armagh Monaghan yeah would have probably yeah. well obviously it's there's the draw a, there's, Monaghan there's definitely wanted. the old hot ball cold ball <laughs> going is, on here is it the draw? <laughs> well it, it, the alternative was Dublin or Kerry so yeah for sure is it? okay well I, I think so I think it's a, it's a game that both Monaghan and Armagh will, will both think they can win and relish so can Dublin Mayo meet? Uh, yeah, it's Derry versus Mayo or Mayo versus Dublin, and we'll we'll know that in a moment. That's Dublin versus Mayo. Derry versus Cork, it's Dublin Mayo. Yeah, yeah, Derry Cork. So Derry will be happy. Uh, the, the Dubs versus Mayo in the quarterfinals is that what they wanted? Mayo are going to Mayo are going to beat Galway, Kerry, and Dublin in the same year in the championship and not win the All Ireland. That's what's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can just see it. Dublin Mayo, well, Kerry, Tyrone. The Derry, curse. Cork and Monaghan Armagh that's the draw Kerry versus Tyrone Armagh versus Monaghan Derry versus Cork and Mayo versus Dublin games we played in double headers uh, over the next great uh, games. weekend great games they're crackers. fantastic games yeah yeah yeah. but should the championships the standard it's, it's dead it's terrible the game it's is been, it's game, finished it's game yeah. we need about 55 different rule changes <laughs> yeah. to get our excitement yeah. yeah before we go I know you wanted to pay um, testimony to one of your, your former teammates Dennis Keeley who um, passed away yeah um, yeah, sad news. Very sad news. Um, over the weekend, Ger, uh and uh, yeah, Dennis passed away on Saturday evening. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I mean, just a, a brilliant fella, a great guy, a great teammate. Um, like for anyone that doesn't know, the Keelys were the backbone of. You know, a Dunshockland team that won three championships, senior championships in a row, and won a Leinster. And we're very unlucky not to win the All Ireland um, back in the early 2000s. Um, we had plenty of battles with them, and I was playing with, with Blackall Gales, and they were the they were the standard bearers, really. You know, and I always felt myself that if you wanted to beat Dunshockland, you had to either at least equally match the Keelys because they were everything that was good in football. You know, dedicated, committed. Um, like no matter w- when or how they would just give everything every training session you know they were just the, as I said the standard bearers for everything massively committed and passionate um, and it's 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 you know news came true from you know 
different fellas that obviously that we've played together and played on me teams with and played against Dennis and it's just it's just very very sad you know he leaves behind obviously a wife and and, and three small young lads um, and the Keeley family have suffered this year and last year their Dennis's sister Maria passed away last December so it's uh, it's very very hard on them um, and uh, yeah just you know a good good guy and uh, you know taken taken way too early unfortunately. We send our condolences to the, the Keeley family as well. Uh, good stuff, Anthony. Thanks for joining us today. Water, lads. It's 8.43 this morning, OTBAM Live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. We're turning our attention to hurling. Sarah O'Donovan is with us. Sarah, good morning to you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're back where we started, lads. This mm-hmm. time last year, same semi-final pairing. Before we get to that, right, because there has been some developments over the weekend with regards to the protests in the camogie and the football. And I just wanted to, uh, and also the Cork dual players. Um, so maybe we'll start with the protests. Um, we were saying earlier on that it's time for the men to come out and, and help to throw their weight behind the women's protest. Uh, what's your instinct about that? Sure. I saw Matthew Noah Hanlon was the first tweet that came up on my uh, Twitter account this morning. Matthew Hanlon a Wexford hurler, you know, saying we're all inter-county players, we all have to be treated equally. So I think the GPA juggernaut is kicking into gear now and there will be an expectation that players in the GA will support their female counterparts. And if you see within the FAI and the steps taken by the male players led by Seamus Coleman to give the girls more money, um, I suppose that was the starting point and, and that helped massively in the FAI. And from the male side of things, the likes of Conor Moyler, uh, Matthew O'Hanlon, that's where I suppose the real pressure comes on the three organisations, uh, the GA, the LGFA and the Camogie Association, because it's not just women asking for um, these, you know, basic minimum standards uh, for female inter-county players. It's, it's all sides now asking. Yeah, you'd hope that the men row in really fast and, uh, and everybody rows in behind and they do something meaningful to help just elevate the level of conversation around the protests because... Um, as Nathan was pointing out earlier on the the major TV audiences were for the men's sports last weekend and uh, while the pictures have gone around the amplification of those pictures has been a bit less maybe than people would have hoped for Vicky Wallace talking to Sinead Kassan in the papers today saying it's going to ratchet up again unless something happens so fingers crossed on that on the dual players issue Cork have um, Camogie and Gaelic football scheduled next weekend basically for a couple of hours within each other is there anything that can be done here to fix this? No, and look, I think from the male point of view, the dual player, you know, is is extinct. And because it's unsustainable, and I suppose from a female point of view, it has become unsustainable. And, you know, last two weeks ago, you had a situation where Libby Coppinger played for Cork against Down, hopped into a car, drove to Galway, came on against Galway, having had that incredible afternoon. You know, I, I w- as a player her teammate sitting on the bench, watching her come on ahead of me. Um, having done that, having played a match, having driven three hours, I would start to feel aggrieved about the conflict um, situation. But I suppose from my point of view, looking at it, standards needs to come up in both LGFA and Camogie. And right now for the dual players, if they're splitting their time across both codes, they're not able to give full time to their performances. Maybe we have to ask the question, is it unsustainable? And and I think it is. So while the conflicts this weekend are obviously something that are an issue right now, I think for 2024, those players are going to have to ask the question. We are repeatedly being let down by our organisations. They cannot fit us in. Maybe we have to make the decision and 
while that's incredibly tough, players within the GA have had to do it two, three years ago. Yeah. Um, I totally understand the point you're making, right? And mm. uh, at the same time, do wonder if maybe the two organisations are just being a little bit uh, short-sighted because if they were able to have the players play in both of them, they'd both get the reflected glory of having the best athletes playing. I, I understand the point you're making, but if they weren't scheduled at the same time, then there probably would be less... Uh, and, and maybe Cork have organised it well and so everybody understands that you are still doing all the physical stuff and you're doing skill in your own time. Maybe they haven't and maybe some players are... There's a, a sense that some are swanning in and I'm not specifically to Cork, but... Uh, you know, I, I buy the, the point that you're making, but at the same time, maybe the organisations could like try and facilitate them for as long as possible. With the new split season, I think it's becoming more and more difficult. I think as well, scheduling the TV games um, and those games and the extra promotion. You know, there's so many things at play here. And I think ultimately for the players involved, they are repeatedly being let down by both organisations and then they're letting down their teams. And I know they're not doing that on purpose, Ger, but... If you're playing a match on Saturday at half two and you have to be in Galway at seven o'clock, that's unsustainable. Yeah. And that's that's for me. Um, as a player playing on the Camogie team, I had Rena Buckley as a teammate. I had Bridge Corkery as a teammate. Um, Elena Reardon. These were incredible um, inter-county players. That at that time, there was lots of, I suppose, success. You know, it, it, that's no question. And th- those are incredible teammates to have at that time. But right now, with the amount of training involved for both teams I just don't think it's sustainable Okay let's talk about the hurling then this weekend we'll obviously have a chance to come back to the the camogie and the football later on Um, where are Galway at after that performance at the weekend did they did they care about the wides and the slightly ineffective like ultimately they're still alive and they have a couple of weeks to work through things and they're going to be mad underdogs and sure doesn't that suit them nicely against Limerick See, that wasn't my take on the game at all because I watched the game back again yesterday um, with the benefit of, I suppose, a bit of composure and calm around it. I had written Galway off. I hadn't. I couldn't see them beating Tip two weeks ago. Um, and yesterday, incredible defensive performance. Uh, forward taking over, Conor Whelan, you know, playing the, playing, having the strength of two men taking on that Tipperary full back line because obviously Henry Shefflin's decision-making in-game yesterday was the reason why Galway came out on top. That game um, was a masterclass from Shefflin. Um, from the outset, picking Cahill Mannion to play as the seventh defender, opening up that space to be able to distribute the ball um, into the corners to give Conor Whelan a chance to get on ball. Uh, I'm so impressed with what Henry Shefflin has done over the last two weeks. And be- considering the pressure that Galway were in and the way that Kilkenny won the Leinster final. Uh, you know, I I think it's opened my eyes to, I suppose, how much Galway have improved in the last two weeks. It's funny we were chatting to Anthony Moyles there, Sarah, before yourself. He was talking about the Galway footballers not having that, I guess, aggression and anger and doggedness maybe that you need to, to win big games. There seemed to be a little bit more anger from the Galway hurlers uh, at the weekend than, than we've maybe seen in recent games. There's a bit, bit more of that aggression. Yeah, and look, for me yesterday, that was probably the most cohesive defensive performance I've seen across the championship uh, so far this year. Darren Marcy, Jack Grealish, Dahi Burke, Garo McInerney, they were relentless in that in that opening 40 minutes. And I think Tipperary scored six points, you know, to half time. That nobody would have, you know, given that scoreline at half time. 
they ate Tipperary up. Two inside forward players for Tipperary were taken off. Seamus Cannon was taken off. Uh, Kyo was taken off. Again, something I didn't envisage. Jake Morris couldn't get into the game. I think it took him until maybe the 50th minute to actually start motoring and finding space. Uh, midfielders for Tipperary taken out of the game. That's everything that could have gone wrong for Tip yesterday went wrong, but that wasn't, I suppose, luck or, or, or you know, or an off day. That was the way Galway pressured the the Tip players. They just, the ease which they kind of ran around the field against Offaly the week before, they came up against Galway and they were hit with a brick wall. Talk to us a bit more about Shefflin. What has impressed you so much? And, and is it an evolution in uh, his managerial career, do you think? Or is it just that, like, the opportunity and the knowledge of his team is reaching a point now where he's more comfortable and fully understands exactly what they need to do and, and when they need to push and when they need not to push. It, it was ice in the veins yesterday from Shefflin. You looked at the decision to start Glennon. Um, Glennon empties the tank. Then Tom Monaghan comes in for that last 25 minutes, scores three points. Keenan Fahey at centre forward. I was so impressed yesterday. Uh, two brilliant assists for two scores in the second half. Really, really pressure scores where he wins the ball and he's popping the ball back out to allow the Galway players to to take their points. That uh, switch for Garrod McInerney, bringing him out late on when his when he was spent and he brings in Fintan Burke. Fintan Burke goes out to right half back and wins a monster free, uh, wrestles one of the tip lads over his shoulder and lands on the ground. Connor Cooney coming in and Jason Flynn, the last 10 minutes, you know, the last thing Tip wanted to see, the last thing Michael Breen wanted to see was Jason Flynn coming in, uh, ready to go at him for those last 10 minutes. It was a masterclass in man management and introducing a bench. We'd spoken during the League and Championship about Henry having an opportunity to see different players because the same pressure just wasn't there in the Leinster Championship. And you saw Liam Collins come on again late yesterday and he's battling late on and he gets a couple of possessions. So for Henry Shevlin, I think yesterday was probably his best day as Galway manager. Limerick will need a plan for, for Conor Whelan, won't, won't they, Sarah? Like it's got to that point now where he's, he's having an impact on games. I know Dan McCormick started on him, I think, yesterday, but by the end of the game, two or three Tipperary defenders had, had tried their hand so uh, I'm sure Limerick will have a plan but but like, based on his performances of late he's tough to stop They've less of a plan they've less options now you know with Sean Finn out with uh, Declan Hannan out you'd have assumed that Dan Morrissey would be at three and he would pick up uh, Connor Whelan and, and you know it would be a right tussle but now you're looking at Dan Morrissey going to six and Mike Casey possibly having to pick up Connor Whelan and you know, immediately I think there's a mismatch there because Conor Whelan is a block, you know, uh, his physical strength is, is is incredible. So I think all of a sudden with the absences within the Limerick defence, Conor Whelan is going to be a massive threat and uh, Galway have a chance. In a similar vein to Shefflin get, getting the in-game stuff right, like how would you assess Liam Cahill's decision-making yesterday? Like it, Certainly the halftime team talk didn't work because they can see that goal straight away in the second half. But there, there just seemed to be a number of matchups, as we say, that, and that's just one of them that we've spoken about. But matchups that they got wrong, maybe Tipperary? I was a little surprised that Seamus Callan started. Um, maybe Garrod O'Connor was injured. Uh, but I just felt that Garrod O'Connor's form, you know, through the last, say, eight to ten weeks merited him starting. Um, I think 
Callanan would have been better coming on in the same way that Jason Flynn was coming on late for Galway. I don't think Tip had that impetus off the bench to come in. Johnny Ryan came in um, scored a point obviously late on but Callanan in those last 10 minutes would have known what was needed and I and I think that was one mistake that he made. Um, Alan Tynan worked really hard but ran out of steam. He's not the guy you want to see going off you know, in the last five minutes. The midfield for, I suppose, tip, I just felt they looked tired. And, you know, you're, you're scoring in excess of 40 points last week against Offaly. It doesn't look like it's affected you, but evidently it does because you've got 70 more minutes in your legs than Galway had. So from tip's point of view, they will be very disappointed with, with the showing yesterday. And, you know, as much as I love hearing tip, 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 I, <laughs> <laughs> I won't miss it for the last two games. And uh, I think Galway were fully deserved with that game yesterday. So the way you're seeing it then is they actually have a load of room to improve and they've got the bones of a system in place. Everybody understands exactly what they're doing. They've got a, a management team who are starting to be in their bag of tricks and they're 18 wide and a lot of goal chances. So you can easily see them putting up a big score against Limerick and actually putting it to Limerick, giving them their fill of it. Our only issue all league and champ- or championship to date was that their distribution to the inside line was so poor. But sitting Cahill Mannion where they sat him uh, yesterday and the distribution yesterday was so good for Galway that I, I think they've finally unlocked locked the door um, for th- for that inside line. And even the, the players who came on, Connor Cooney, uh, Kevin Cooney was brilliant yesterday. Like their attack was motoring finally. And Evan Nyland, I'm just I'm naming players here who who just got into the game yesterday and did so so well, and and backed up by that incredible defensive display. Um, let's talk about the Dubs and Clare. Like I think if you were Dublin, your hope was that Clare would somehow feel a hangover from the Munster final defeat in the way that they had done last year, and that you needed to somehow put a little bit of doubt in their minds, and you needed to hope that uh, Tony Kelly was going to have an off day. Everything you hoped for disappeared in a three-minute puff of smoke just before halftime with a 3-2, like a, an incredible scoring burst that decided the game. Yeah, I watched that back, back game back as well yesterday because I felt I was doing cl- Dublin a disservice if I didn't actually look what, at what they got right. So uh, I was on to Ray Boyne yesterday and asked him to have a look at the, the stats for the midfield because I felt that's where Dublin lost the game. Um, they tried a number of things. They brought Dara Power out to midfield to try and track Ryan Taylor. Um, obviously, Chris O'Leary was in midfield with Mark Rogan. And ultimately, you know, the experience of Cahill Malone, I think he had 19 possessions. David Fitzgerald had 16 possessions. It was so mo- such a dominant midfield display from Clare. And this put massive pressure, obviously, on the Dublin half-back line. Conor Burke at centre-back for Dublin spoke about him in the league I felt that he loves going forward, but, you know, not necessarily the the most solid at six uh, when they're obviously under under pressure. And that was evident yesterday. Again, I, I looked at him yesterday afternoon and what he did, you know, in terms of the positive things. I can see why Michael Donoghue, Michal Donoghue has him at six. His distribution is incredible. And, you know, when he's feeding the likes of Danny Sutcliffe, who had a brilliant game in terms of possession winning yesterday, um, wasn't necessarily that great in front of the posts. I think he had four wides. Paul Crummy and the ball that was being, you know, delivered into Paul Crummy and the, the ball that he was winning, Keanu Sullivan, the ball that he was winning, you know, th- that is because the distribution of Conor Burke was so good. But when... 
the tide turned and Clare were coming at Dublin. Dublin defensively were, you know, they were so leaky. They There were so many gaps. They they didn't know how to defend the pace, the acceleration. And David Fitzgerald, the pace coming through the middle, they were unstoppable. So I've positives and negatives for Dublin. There's work-ons for me all, I don't know who. But ultimately, when you're moving Owen O'Donnell, you're, you know, all-star full-back, from full back in the second half to try and win a game. I think that's where Michal who's probably man management or in-game management wasn't as sharp as, say, Henry Shefflin yesterday. Yeah, that because that, that space through the middle, Sarah, I mean, you, you can talk to the cows come home about, about the, the class of Tony Kelly and, and the five goals that Clare scored, but as you say, the ease with which they were able to get through for some of those would, would yes. certainly lead you, to, lead you to question Dublin. Yeah, like Conor Burke actually got fouled after four minutes. Uh, or sorry, got he picked up a yellow after four minutes. He fouled John Connell coming through a heavy, heavy hit. And maybe that led to him saying, OK, I, I need to stay on the field here. And, you know, you're kind of jumping out of tackles that, that you might have to go into, um, but that he definitely had to go into. So I can see the point there where possibly he wasn't the right man to be trying to stop, you know, an in-rushing player because he was on the yellow. But I think, from the point of view of, you know, Dublin's defensive six, they just weren't organised enough for for that team. And that comes back to the midfield, the amount of ball, like 16 possessions for David Fitzgerald, 19 possessions for Colin Malone. They were ticking right to the end. Interestingly, for me, Tony Kelly stays on until the 68th minute and he's a big game in two weeks. I'd have been shuffling him off the field now after 40 minutes and putting him in cotton wool. Um... Uh, I think obviously Shane O'Donnell came off um, late on and looked like he he needed a bit of a a rest. There there was a lingering injury there perhaps, but with the war of attrition that is hurling, you know, and the players that are out at the minute for Clare, I'd have definitely been minding Tony much earlier than the 68 minute. We do obviously still await news from the Kilkenny camp and I suspect we won't know the truth of any of the stuff that's coming from the Kilkenny camp until the ball gets thrown in and maybe even until the second half if um, some of the injured <laughs> players are coming off the bench. So, uh, like, while Clare are concerned, obviously they had injuries last year ahead of the semi-final, it feels like they're in a much better place than they were heading into last year's... Last year, like, we, we incorrectly thought that uh, they were going to give Kilkenny their fill of it in the semi-final and they just disappeared on the day. That's, that's surely not going to happen again this time. No, I think this Clare side um, is is much better organised. And even yesterday, with the fact that Aidan McCarthy couldn't start, uh, you know, Mark Rogers steps into the breach and Mark Rogers scores one eleven yesterday. Uh, I know the lads on the Sunday game were trying to decide who should get uh, player of the match, Tony Kelly or, or Mark Rogers. And I'd have given it to Mark Rogers yesterday. He was so consistent and uh, so composed. So... I suppose Aidan McCarthy has an opportunity now to to get well. He's got two weeks ahead of him. Um, Dave McInerney, John Conlon. Um, I don't know if Conor Cleary will, will get back in time. That would be the one issue. But I suppose for... I was actually very impressed with uh, Daryl Owen yesterday, uh, Brian Lowen's nephew. I thought he gave Danny Sutcliffe a, wor- a world of torture. Um, so I think Brian Lowen probably has options. But I would... Very much fancy Clare now going into this Kilkenny game. I, I think they have a point to prove. Um, I think they let themselves down badly yesterday, last year. And for them, the Munster final was a game that got away. It's not a game that they emptied the tank in and, you know, were unlucky not to win. The Munster final three weeks ago was a game they let get away. And I think mentally uh, they know they have a point to prove. Who is playing in the final? Limerick Clare. 
There you go. Mm. Uh, all right. Good stuff, Sarah. Thanks a million. Thanks, lads. Have a good day. It's uh, the thoughts of Sarah Dunham this morning on that weekend's hurling the protests, the dual players, and plenty more besides. Three minutes past nine this morning. We'd love to hear from you. 087-9180-180 is the WhatsApp number. You can uh, get us at Off The Ball AM. It's a universe where there could be. I was just thinking there, three Ulster teams in the All-Ireland semi-finals. <laughs> oh, uh, we're, we're, guaranteed. we're talking hurling and you're like, oh, Monaghan going to win no, the All-Ireland. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, you're guaranteed, you're guaranteed one Ulster team because the winner of Armagh Monaghan will be in the semi-finals. Uh, Derry will fancy themselves against Cork. And then... Moisey has predicted Tyrone are going to not carry out. If Moisey's right, then you're looking at uh, a mini Ulster Championship in the All-Ireland semis. I, like, look... Uh, when are you going to beat Kerry? I mean, I suppose uh, Tyrone did beat them in a semi-final. Yeah. When they came back from the COVID death. That was the extra time game. Yeah, maybe now is the time to get them. I, I see where Anthony's coming from. The Kerry aren't all seeing, all conquering. The, the live game probably has swayed us. To that. Uh, well, they're, and, and their four performances over the last two or three seasons. Yeah, but look at how they played against Mayo this, this season at home and also with Cork in the Munster Championship. It could have gone either way, really. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm probably leaning towards Tyrone and the little bit of momentum that they've got from, from the last couple of weeks. I don't know. I, I fancy them. Kerry versus Tyrone, Armagh versus Monaghan, Derry versus Cork and Mayo versus Dublin are the weekend's games. Mayo versus Dublin in Croke Park. Tasty. That is tasty. Uh, Dublin will fancy themselves, though. I think like surely. I think you know, like that. Mayo will be pretty. They'll be pretty excited. Yeah. About this game, jazzed up. It probably is the time you want to get them. Like the, you, 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 I was looking at the draw last night. I was thinking you probably want to get Dublin or Kerry now. Maybe Tommy Rooney, by the way, predicted uh, the draw. Give him some credit where it's due. He said this would be the spiciest draw, and he put it up last night on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, you got one hundred percent correct. Did he literally one hundred percent correct? There you go. So there you go. Right. Off the Ball is coming to the Cork Podcast Festival. Join us on Sunday, the 27th of August, in the Cork Opera House. Special guest to be announced very soon. Don't miss out on a great night of conversation and crack in the heart of the Rebel County. For tickets, go to corkpodcastfestival.ie forward slash off the ball. Do you call it the Rebel County? Do you call yourself the Rebel Column? All right. Some highlights on the OTU Podcast Network for you today. Tommy Walsh on go is win over tip. Uh, the Sunday pay-per-view with Sinead O'Carroll and Fionn Davenport alongside Joe and the Ireland women's national team ahead of the World Cup squad announcement this week all the post-match reaction from Zambia after the break we're going to uh, to Galway and Gary Sice You're listening to OTB AM Six minutes past nine we're continuing the post-mortem on Galway's exit uh, in the championship and the draw has been made Galway aren't in it I'm delighted to say Gary Sice is with us Are sorry for your troubles Gary Hey, good morning, guys. Sorry, yeah, bad Monday morning. Um, do you know what happened yet? Have you have you clarified in your own mind why you're gone? No, and I watched it back again yesterday, even trying to figure out where where everything went wrong after halftime. But uh, couldn't put my finger on one one item. Um, so it was this uh, an entire systems failure. Was it the the conglomeration of injuries that you had over the course of the year finally catching up? A little bit, and I think to be fair to Mayo as well, the the goal came at a great time for them and it brought a lot of momentum. I think they they shuffled their deck very well. Uh, I saw their lineup at the start, and I was quietly confident because I thought even bringing on the Matthew Wands and the Killian O'Connors and stuff, I thought hopefully we'd actually be out of sight. And to be fair, I thought we had chances in the first half to be out of sight. Um, but uh, it just felt lovely. Even Killian O'Connor came on when he did and kicked the point he did. It just felt 
Mayo's momentum was was much stronger, and they um, they finished out bar the scramble at the end. They they were reasonably comfortable keeping the ball. Shane Walsh's performance uh, has to be a bit of a concern, Gary, doesn't it? I mean, last couple of weeks he hasn't been great, but the the free take in, in particular, there was one or one or two certainly in the first half that you're like, this is this is huge, especially with the wind. Yeah, the the one at the top of the D in his right foot in particular. Um, mm. It was a real sucker punch for the, for for the team. It took a lot of uh, window to people's sales, and it took window to his sales as well. He just didn't get get going at all, and they weren't ones that that they're they're stuff he doesn't sleep. Um, I was even surprised that some of them on the left, that Matthew Tierney didn't have a cut at one or two of them because he's a great kicker of the ball. But it just didn't didn't go for Shane at all yesterday, and and for Galway to be at the races and really in the game, they needed Shane to be to be in full flight. And unfortunately, it was a, a repeat of what happened in Carrick and Shannon for him. It just didn't click at all, and. In fairness, it took courage on his behalf to to keep going after that ball and keep trying to kick those frees. But at some stage yesterday, someone maybe had to say, look, let's give Matthew or Paul Connery a shot at these. But it just didn't happen for him, unfortunately. Is that just the end of a long season for him, do you think, with, with Kilmacud as well, that maybe he's he's tired or, or mentally drained? Or, or can you put your finger on what that might be about? Uh, it has to be an aspect in it, definitely. I, I wouldn't give him a pass for it. Um, we've done long seasons. I understand what the long season is. Uh, but Shane hasn't done that long season before. That's 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 one thing that, has, that stands out for him. Um, now he got a nice break. He went to Australia and missed a bit of the league and stuff. Um, was that detrimental to getting him a flow of games and getting him going? Possibly. Um, it's definitely his longest season he's ever done. And uh, I think, to be honest with you, he did look a bit jaded yesterday. Um, but I'm not giving him a pass on it because he's such a huge athlete. He should have been able to, to sort that out and to... Uh, to get his performances going. And I think the other thing that, that's the problem for Shane at the moment, and maybe now after this season it mightn't be, but the level he hit last season was absolutely outrageous. Um it was way beyond, it was above the clouds. It was it was mad stuff altogether in the other final last year. And maybe we're still pitching him at that. Um it took him a season to get to that level last year and we were kind of expecting that every day from which is unfair. But uh, that said, um yesterday's performance just just wasn't anywhere near good enough for for a player of his his uh, his magnitude for Galway. We did feel like Galway had real strength and depth that would be able to deal with the injury issues that were going to come down the stretch and particularly in this run of games. But ultimately, they didn't just have enough strength and depth. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Um, it comes with it. It's two double-edged sword. I think you missed Liam Sale, Kieran Malloy, uh, Dylan McHugh, Damien, Sean Kelly wasn't right yesterday. Um, that's a fair cohort of the All-Ireland team that played in Crow Park last year. Uh, it's a fair whack and as good and all as the bench was and as many players you played over the league, uh, you're trying to replace some big hitters there. Um, Sean, it, w- it was huge courage yesterday what he tried to do. Um, it was clear that though that he wasn't anywhere near. The one time he got forward, we got Matthew in for a goal. Um, but he, his energy and his his line-breaking ability was missing big time yesterday. And as hard and all as Damien tried as well in the first half, he was dangerous to a point. And then when he went off at half-time, the, the, that big ball inside stopped and... Those are big, big, big players. I'm not sure um, anyone can be, could, could replace them and, and uh, it was definitely part of the problem for Galway yesterday. Yeah, I thought Sean Kelly was in, in the shout for Player of the Year if, if Galway were to keep going and, and reach a final again, for example. And so his injury is, is so cruel because his form was cresting to that level again where he was playing as well as he'd ever played. Absolutely. And he's one of these players uh, that, that brings on three or four with him. Um, and I think it, it, there was an adjustment for John Daly as well yesterday. John has been doing a role there for us in the last uh, 18 months. That's been fantastic and a key linchpin in the system that was working. And he got changed around yesterday as well and didn't really help. But Sean's running ability with the ball and the areas he goes into and the danger he brings. It's a goal chance every time he breaks the 45 on the opposition's 45. 
um, and that was missing yesterday. And, and like we can't underestimate how, how big a problem it was. As I said, the one time he broke the 45 pump. Properly yesterday, Matthew Tierney was in one on one with Colin Reap, and uh, that may have happened a few more times um, had Sean been right. But these are these are, are valid points, but they're not excuses. Mayo did a good job yesterday, and our record against them in, in Pear Stadium is not good. Is there a concern, Gary, that that leaders didn't step up for Galway in the second half? I think James Horn made reference to to maybe the likes of Kelly McDade and Paul Conroy as players who, who who did perform well yesterday. But in that second half, especially, would you like to see more leadership from from certain elements of the Galway team? Uh, possibly, but like you have to flip the coin and look at it in the first half as well. You could say the same of Mayo. They kicked three points and a half, and that win couldn't be underestimated yesterday. It was extremely difficult conditions, and it was a difficult game because both teams knew exactly what had to be done. Um, Pierce Stadium has a tendency to do this. It brings teams down to a level where it turns into a pigeon shoot, and it ends up being a, a 9-10 or 11-10. And I think Galway, the leadership in the first half was very, very strong. Like they, they had players coming up, kicking points. They had last taken ownership. They put in big hits. They made big turnovers. Um, outside of Tommy Conroy, no one really looked like cutting through anyone uh, in the first half. And the second half just didn't didn't come right. And and them shots that were that were floating on, I, I still thought there was a couple of shots on the second half. I'd love to see last take them on and have a go, but they just didn't. And they were trying to be careful and safe with the ball because it was tense. I think we can't uh, we can't dismiss the fact that both teams were coming in on the back of a loss as well. Um, Eamon Fitzmaurice referenced, referenced yesterday that both teams were playing with an edge it was almost a jitteriness in, in some of the stuff they were doing for the first half hour 40 minutes and I think that fed into fed into the game yesterday and towards the end uh, Mayo show showed a lot of uh, a lot of shakiness towards the end and I think it definitely took a bit of cut a bit of, a bit of energy out of Galway's game as well um, it wasn't the highest quality game yesterday and I think uh, Galway probably had a few lads that were trying to be safe um, a few lads the inexperienced guys maybe a little bit more more so and um, ultimately ended up costing us at the end that someone didn't take a chance and, and finish off some of the chances that are presented themselves So where are we now with the Porrick Joyce era because it has been a, a wild roller coaster where at the very start there's kind of a surge of energy and belief and then obviously Covid happens and there's real concerns about whether or not the team is making any progress. They improved the the makeup of the backroom team and they add the steel and the grit and the defensive solidity and they reach an all Ireland final. And you know they give Kerry as, as good as anybody gave them last year. And then this year it feels like it's a bit of a letdown, but also it feels like the panel is bigger and broader. And and if you know, I, I guess I don't know. I'm more interested, I suppose, in what you think of where we are at the moment. Yeah, I think it's um, the last last two years have been very positive from from that point of view. We've been gathering momentum. They've got to another final, performed extremely well. We're unfortunate, and probably the lack of depth was the ultimate was the ultimate Achilles heel for us last year. Um, players came back in: Peter Cook, Ian, um, Keen Hernan, Johnny McGrath. These guys came back in, came, came into the the reckoning as well. I think the panel is in good shape. I think uh, Porek spoke very well after the game yesterday. He's actually talking to Tommy after after the game. I was listening to a clip, and he. He said that it wasn't as high flying as it was last year. Um, he didn't make any excuses around the injuries or bits and pieces like that. But at the same time, you could see him. He was very, he was realistic around how the season had been. It wasn't anywhere near as high flying as it was last year. Um, I don't see, I don't see a need for a change or anything like that or anything daft. I think um, if he can keep his backroom team intact and keep the panel together, I don't see why they can't keep together and drive on a little bit more. Um, the age profile of that group is quite, quite good and. I think um, there's probably one or two more hanging around out there as well that can be dragged in and, and brought on a bit. Um, you need a bit of luck every year and as far as injuries go this year, Galway did not, did not get that luck at all. 
I think as well next year everybody's going to understand the the value of having a good early part of the league and then tapering down a little bit and then coming back and like I, I don't know if this Galway team needs to win any more Connacht titles maybe I don't know again interested in what your view on how important next season's Connacht championship is going to be versus the group stages of the All-Ireland series yeah, I'm on the fence with the, with the Frenchies at the moment. I don't see a whole lot of value in them uh, if you're looking to win on Ireland. I think if Anton could be detrimental like this year, Galway picked up injuries along the way, getting the finals and stuff. And I don't know if it was a masterstroke. I mean, it was payoff getting caught by Roscommon down in Castlebar on the day, but it seems to have fed nicely into them. They've they've got a clean bill of health, more or less, with Kenny O'Connor coming back in. I, I I do think people are going to be a lot wiser next year. Um, this is their first proper run at this, trying to taper off and build up and taper off and build up. Kerry and Dublin would be interested next weekend to see how they've managed it, but um, there's definitely a learning there for Galway. All right, I don't think Connacht titles are going to be um, as big in in the in the framework if you're going to be looking at the All Ireland long term, and uh, it'll have to be something that'll be monitored, as you said there, maybe going fast and hard in the league to try and get a preseason in taper off and then getting ready for the for the group stages and, and so on. Like the next five weeks, it's five weeks um is very, very hard going and the panel is probably big enough now to do a five week stint, but is it big enough to do that from the start of the league to the end of the championship? I am not so sure. I don't think anyone has that. It was interesting, Max Day was saying it yesterday they were building a big panel over the league and it was for this period. Um he didn't mention the college championship at all, surprisingly, but uh it'll be interesting to see if that big panel they've built is, is adequate enough uh, going forward. Uh, draw for the quarterfinals for anyone who's missed it this morning Kerry Tyrone Armagh versus Monaghan Derry Cork and uh, Mayo Dublin Gary like from based on what you've seen from Mayo they're back in Croke Park now albeit against the Dubs next weekend can they overturn the Dubs? I don't see why not I mean Hyperboard is going to kick off this morning the fact that it's Dublin they've got down there as well they've got massive massive confidence from yesterday and some of their big players turned up yesterday as well um, I thought Paddy Durkham was immense yesterday uh, Aidan O'Shea to be fair to him did a, did a good job in what he was doing McBrien obviously got the standout score of the game yesterday they they have issues on their own kick out and I know the wind was a factor yesterday but they, they got pinned quite a bit yesterday their, their return was very very poor they're nowhere near where they were 16, 17, 18 maybe um, saying that neither are Dublin and I think it, it could be very interesting to see how they set up against Dublin but I think it won't be much in it um, I don't think Dublin would have been delighted to see them come out of the draw either uh, they they're a Crow Park team. They're running they're running style. Linda Hessian came on yesterday as well, and he brought a bit of bit of bite to it. Um, they do have danger, but will they be able to score enough? Is is the question? And like twelve points yesterday from Galway, and a little bit more from from Mayo is not good scoring. And and Dublin had the potential to shoot the lights out. So I don't think much in it in the end. But they they are a, a danger for Dublin next weekend for sure. Yeah, the the Dublin season so far has been really stop start as well. Like. Great against Kildare in Nottingham Park, but not great against Kildare in Croker, either of the two times they played them in the league. You know, they hammered Derry, but barely scored any points in that game because they, they scored the four goals. And I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure Mayor are going to concede four goals against them. You'd, you'd assume their defensive solidity will, will be much better. So there is just a little window here for everybody to chisel through and take down Dublin in a way that maybe there hasn't been that sense around the Dubs in previous years. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the aura that was there previously is there now and I don't think Mayo will buy into um, that they're the Dublin of old even though they have a few of the bigger players back. Um, how many times have them bigger players played together since they've come back? Very little, if anything at all, between injuries and niggles and they haven't got the quality of game they needed in order to develop Anton either. Um, 
So I think I think it'll be a point or two, if that, in between the two of them. They're two very similar styles as well, I think, and the matchups will be key. Uh, a Rhino Dunne, who all of a sudden becomes twice as important now in Crow Park, if Killian is back, he's going to take serious marking in Crow Park, and he'd be an awful handful. And then Tommy Conroy looked very close to where he was um, pre uh, the ACL injury yesterday as well. Some of the cutting runs he made yesterday were frightening, and in Crow Park, you'd imagine the three of them together or even four or five of them forwards together will be uh, will be an awful handful for Dublin because I don't think they're as solid at the back as they were either. I'm interested to hear your, your take on the other uh, games in that draw, Gary. I guess Derry Cork, Armagh Monaghan and I suppose the pick of them is Kerry Tyrone. Yeah, the Kerry Tyrone one, of course, the saga goes on and, and uh, Tyrone's performance at the weekend wouldn't fill you full of uh, full of joy or anything like that but again they won't they won't be fearful of, of Kerry uh, in their current mood I know they've knocked up big scores against Loud and Clare but outside of that and the court game wasn't exactly um, it wasn't brilliant stuff at all uh, so Tyrone will come with a little bit of confidence towards it but I do expect that Kerry will have too much for them um, I think it's a it's probably a good draw from Jack Connor's point of view he's going to get a, a real asset test and if they come out of it it could be a, it could be a launching pad for them for the next, uh, next couple of weeks who goes all the way? Do you think this stage? Oh, that's a that's a very very typical question. I suppose based on Galway yesterday, it, it's an eye opener around how quick and how fast the the injury problem can become a major major issue. Like um, Kerry are in the mix, and I think Dublin as well. They're my two uh, out of what's left. That's provided there's no big injuries to the likes of Clifford or Conor Callahan. Like if either of them two are missing out of them groups, all of a sudden you you realise that they're they're very human and you're not so sure that they could they could knock the lights out against the Mayo or Tyrone. Um, but at the moment, as I see it, it's going to be Kerry and Dublin that are going to be between those two. All right. Kerry, we'll leave it there. Good stuff. Thanks a million. Thanks very much, guys. It's Kerry Sice giving us some thoughts on Galway in particular, but the rest of it, as um, Shane said, Kerry, Tyrone, Armand Monaghan, Derry Cork and Mayo against Dublin. That's interesting. Like I said earlier, like if Cork could get one of the, the Ulster teams in Cork, I mean, will they fancy themselves against Derry? They probably probably will. Uh, it's not the worst draw that they could have got. Um, so from a Cork perspective, I think you're you're licking your lips as well. Uh, and Tommy Tommy made the point yesterday on Twitter when he was predicting the what would be the spiciest draw, and he got it absolutely correct. But he said um, all of the preliminary quarterfinal teams in a draw like that would fancy their chances. So like Cork will fancy themselves against Derry, Monaghan will fancy themselves against Armagh, Mayo certainly will believe they can beat the Dubs in, in Kroger, uh, and then Tyrone, why not, against Kerry with a bit of momentum. So it's one of those, it's, it's fascinating because those teams with the, the couple of weeks break, clearly that will help them, but um, I think the preliminary quarterfinal teams certainly will will not be shying away from that draw. That's, that's whetted my appetite massively. Could have been Kildare Armagher. So close. Ah, oh, the, the geezer, geezer Derby. Geezer Derby. Jesus, look what you're ruined now. No, I look know. what you're ruined. I know. That would have been pretty sweet. You and your last minute. Anyway, <laughs> 9.22 this morning. If you're still using the old off-the-ball app, you're going to need to get the very latest version as the old app will soon be retired to pasture to make way for the shiny new thoroughbred. If your app hasn't already updated automatically, and strong likelihood is that it has. But if you head over to the Play Store, uh, search off-the-ball or check... Uh, our social for direct links to updates and um, yeah it's uh, it's got this shiny new architecture and apparatus in the background and it looks great um, so again uh, the easiest and best place to listen to all of our podcasts now the Ireland under 20s drew 34 all with England over the weekend in the opening game of the world under 20 championships in South Africa Alan Quinlan watches and is uh, joining us now to talk to us about this um, in a rip-roaring tie that ends 34 all 
Ireland felt a little bit fortunate at the end with the man sent off towards the end to get away with the draw or were they sad that the game didn't go on a bit longer to try and give themselves a chance to win? Well, I think in the end, Jared, they were probably pleased that uh, that the whistle went and, and they got a draw. I think um, if they lost that game, um, the reality and the chances of, of making the semis would probably be way more difficult. I think there's three groups of four and the top three from from each pool uh, go automatically into the semi-finals and then the next best qualifier. And historically, I think we've seen from the tournament before that you, if you, even if you lose a game, winning two games doesn't usually put you in the semi-finals. So if Ireland lost that game, I think um, it would have made it very difficult for them to get to the semis. Look, it's it's a it's a tricky competition, a tricky tournament anyway, with with the games coming so quickly. Um, I think when they analyse the game and they look back, uh, they'll be disappointed, um, particularly in the mid part of that second half. On about 64 or five minutes, they they ended up going 10 points up. And um, after being nine points down, just after half time, when England really responded. So it was a kind of a crazy game. It was 15-10 to Ireland at half time and um, a lot of mistakes. It was frantic stuff, non-stop. And... Um, I think at that point you were thinking in 65 minutes Ireland are in a great position here and England responded they got a penalty then a converted try and levelled the match and um, Ireland had one or two more opportunities but um, they'll be probably disappointed with the mistakes they were certainly um, the effort level of the players and the desire and drive and all that kind of stuff and and they showed some great qualities at times but um, certainly made some mistakes which they'll be disappointed with so probably in the end I think relieved after Hugh Cooney was sent off towards the end and England were putting pressure on them close to their, their line I think they'll be relieved to to get a draw and I think as I said um, if they'd gone off the field and England had scored there you know the chances of getting to the semi-finals would be really difficult it's still a tough tough situation they play Australia and uh, on Thursday and then Fiji next Tuesday so um, it's still all to play for they got three points out of the game you know uh, two bonus points and a, and a point for the draw as well so they ended up getting three points in the end which was um, probably relief in the end England flawless off the tee Quinny and from an Irish perspective Sam Prendergast who's usually so reliable has a, a mini period where he misses I think it's four in a row and, and just it's those little things that can make such a huge difference in a game like that so that was surprising in, in, in the fact that Prendergast is usually so reliable yeah, and the, the English 10, as you say, Conor Slevin, he didn't miss any. Um, his kicking was superb um, from the touchline as well for a, a couple of their tries. Um, yeah, it's hard to explain. Uh, you know, there were four easy kicks he missed. Not not like two of them were very, very kickable and you'd expect him no problems to slot him. The other two were a little bit more difficult, but still probably the, the trajectory of the of both those kicks um, wasn't good and yeah, I think he'd be very disappointed um, with, with, with with striking the ball off the ground and um, I think at 10-3 Shane after scoring two tries um, you easily it should have been 14-3 so you know it did come down to probably a couple of missed kicks in the end from, from those conversions that normally Sam Prendergast would get if you go back to you know, 
the Six Nations, he got a couple of vital kicks for Ireland in those matches. He kicked the winning penalty for Leinster against the Lions in April. Um, just he didn't have the kicking boots on, and that was an unfortunate part of that. But I think not not alone, and it probably was just well, it wasn't Sam Prendergast. I think Finton Gunn as well. Their their game management and their kicking strategy. Uh, made it difficult for themselves at times. So they're the kind of things they look back on um, and uncharacteristically miss kicks, I think, which were proved to be costly in the end. Was the red card deserved? Yeah, initially when when, uh, when we saw the saw it in, in real time, it's, um, part of me thought that the English player had stuck his elbow out and hit Hugh Cooney. But when you see it on the replay, he shoots up really hard in a very upright position and there's head on head and um it's pretty clear that um yeah that it was it was a red card. We saw one in the super rugby final between the Chiefs and the Crusaders that was that was just a yellow card and it was worse. It was head on head as well. Um referee had no no hesitation when he looked and uh went to the TMO and looked at it on the big screen that it was a red card. So he got himself concussed as well, Hugh Cooney, and took a, took a heavy knock and then got a red card. So he'll be a loss now. He'll miss the Australian game. And uh, yeah, it was you, you couldn't argue and say that it wasn't. There's a duty of care, obviously, and that's that's been uh, happening for, for in recent times about the tackle player. And it's very well highlighted that you've got to go lower. So he was very upright and um, it was a red card, yes. The one in Super Rugby is a little bit concerning, right? Because it's so high profile. Uh, is there any sense that we're about to enter into a period of uncertainty where referees decide not to, in inverted commas, ruin games when it comes to the World Cup? Um, yeah, well, the bunker situation that was in for the 20s there where, you know, it's that that was happening in Super Rugby where if a, if a referee is unsure... Where it's if it's kind of between that yellow and red situation, Jer, where they they put they're not sure and the, the pressure is off them a little bit more now, where they can give a yellow card and it's reviewed by the TMO. There's a ten minute situation; it can be upgraded to a red. Um, on and in between the Chiefs and the Crusaders, the yellow was given by the referee and it was to be reviewed, and then it was reviewed and deemed just a yellow. Um, I thought that's crazy, and it probably just shows the Southern Hemisphere their their view on this is still a little bit skewed. Um, you know, a lot of the talk in the last number of years was the game has been ruined by red cards, and you know, the game has gone soft, all that kind of stuff. Um, we've we've heard some of those comments, and and to- totally conflicting opinions from ex-players and the media from in the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere, if you know what I mean. And uh, so I was just very surprised with that one, that it wasn't upgraded to red, particularly when you see the 20s and you see the same similar kind of incident, um, straight away, red card, no complaints from, from, from anyone watching it because as the tackle pair, you've got to be more careful and, and, and go lower. So that would be concerning, yes. Um, it's obviously more high profile, the World Cup, but this... You know, there's a lot of viewers and a lot of people watching Super Rugby final as well and, and probably people scratching their heads saying why it wasn't upgraded to a red. Is discipline uh, a concern going forward, Quinny? Because aside from the, the, the red, of course, for Cooney, you've got the, the sin bin for, for Mangan as well and that third quarter seemed to be the 
kind of the turning point and the ebb and flow back in, in England's direction for a period at least? I, I don't think uh, discipline is a problem. I think um, Dermot Mangan's one was was kind of a chance in your arm scenario, really, that I've probably been in a position myself a few times where you're you're under pressure. England are putting on, uh, putting the squeeze on Ireland. They're, they're, they're after making, getting over the gain line. They're close to the Ireland line. Um, and he's trying to scramble around to get a turnover. Goes off his feet and that's, Temptation to kind of bring the ball, which as you're as you're falling, be cleaned out as well. Um, obviously, from a referee's point of view and an attacking point of view, you you can you don't get the benefit of the doubts of those ones. If he stays on his feet another little bit, maybe he he'll get the penalty. But um, no, I don't think so. I think they were look, they're a brilliant side chain. I I think there was moments in the game where I I was just watching it and going, these guys are 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 really tenacious, resilient, um, collectively very, very good. Their attack is, you know, they're always on the go, trying to trying to create space and, and, and move the ball. Um, and Richie Murphy's done a great job with them. I think if you uh, surmise the performance, you'd probably look back and say they lacked a little bit of control and game management at times and, and probably should have played a little bit of cup rugby, if you like. Um, but it's kind of in their DNA the way they attack. Um, if you look at the Six Nations, they in winning the Grand Slam, they they scored the most points of of any team um, that have ever won it. But they've also con- also conceded the most points of any team that's ever won it. Um, so that would indicate they just need to be a bit better in defence and a bit more controlled. And 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 some of the pressure they they had from England on. on on Saturday was was kind of self-inflicted, poor clearances, uh, running the ball when they probably should have kicked the ball, um, just being a little bit of shrewd and managing the scoreboard. So building pressure and, and, and just turning the opposition. But look, credit to England. England were very, very powerful and they had some kind of really big ball carriers who, who, who punished Ireland at times. But if you look back at it, I thought it was a game Ireland should have won if they were a bit shrewder. All right. Quinny, we leave it there. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers, lads. More from Quinny later on in the week. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on the rest of that tournament. Australia on Thursday and then Fiji after that. If they want to make the uh, top four in the group, they obviously have to beat Australia and beat them well. Uh, right, on tomorrow's show, Shane and Johnny Ward live with Cork football manager John Cleary. Uh, we'll have our latest rugby depth chart this time, Alison Miller's uh, Italian rugby legend, Mirko Bergamasco on the show. Uh, plenty more besides. Uh, a few quick comments for you. Uh, I'm loving Shane's airport high-vis look, says Fergus Kyo. Harsh. I'll take it, though. It's fine. He's loving it. Far worse. Uh, the considered aspect of the championship where games matter is making it difficult to manage injuries. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the biggest squad might be the one that is left standing at the end or the team who suddenly finds a bit of form. And is that what Tyrone did? I don't know. Certainly Moisey thought so. Stephen Donnellan says, I knew as soon as Tommy back Galway, my dreams would be shattered. That lad is nothing but bad luck or just doesn't have a clue one way or the other. Mm. I, said, I, I, I was sitting watching the game with my Galway father yesterday and it's like watching someone go through the ringer, you're just like, when, it, when, it's, when it's Galway Mayo especially, and I, say, I used the word hate I think last week, in a footballing sense between the two counties, but um, I, think, I think it was clear to see. There was times yesterday where the camera was panning to the like a couple of scuffles and the fans in the background it's just it's vitriolic Jer there's a lot of a lot of pent up emotion there between these two counties 
Um, she pent up. It's quite clear. Yeah, and look, it's always great when you go and win in your rival's place. Mm. You know, you're the one sticking around and then they're streaming home and the rain arrives. Oh, it rains go away. It never rains a go away. Oh, not at all. There's no wind ever. But it turns out Salt Hill is um, not a fortress whatsoever for poor choice in Galway. They might need to fix that pretty quickly. Uh, don't know was it fatigue or injuries or what, but Galway had no bite, easily dispossessed and poor shooting even with the wind. Yeah, well, obviously the free, the free kicks from Walsh being, being paramount. Johnny Heaney had one as well in the first half that was just disappointing. Um, but then, yeah, like as Gary Sice said earlier, like, May only scored three points in that first half, so they didn't have much in the line of uh, accuracy or consistency in the first half, albeit against the wind. But, yeah, I think Galway will be will be good at the left and behind them. And um, probably, yeah, a point in it at the end. Maybe left a little bit... It's probably a bit closer than it, than it felt, maybe. It didn't feel like a one-point game. I know, but the they, like, there's a goal-line clearance from yeah. somebody who, where the ball's looping over your goalkeeper's head. Like, yeah. Where was Reid going for that you one, by the way? can't be telling me that like they had it all under control and they were... Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, and by the way, sorry, three of those... Uh, what, what did you want to call it? The wildcard weekend? Yeah. Three of the four games only appointed in the end, like which is mad. So, yeah, looking forward to the, the three Ulster teams and the dubs in the, in the semi-finals. Uh, good. Okay. Ireland at a World Cup in rugby not playing well. I am shocked, says Noel Cowell. Screw you, Noel. Thanks very much for your comment. You can leave a comment on YouTube. You just need to subscribe to our YouTube channel, but screw you. They drew the England. Had enough. It's 9.36 this morning. Right now, some of the best stuff from the Sunday paper review. Have a marvellous Monday. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.